Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. could share your feelings with you. Chewbacca! Chewbacca, we were so relieved to hear you were all right. All of you are an important part of my life, pal. I'm glad I could be here. This holiday is yours. But we all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace. No matter how different we appear, we're all same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage, and more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the Tree of Life. Oh, holy night, stars are brightly shining.
know it was a divine Fifteen seconds after the hour of eleven in this the month of December in the year of our Lord two thousand and eight. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and joy filled studios of AM nine seventy the talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming by. It is uh five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. It is Friday. And welcome to day twelve. And just once before I die, I want to have control of a big public address system somewhere. Just so I can force that song on thousands of people who have no way to get away from it. Just once before I die. All right. Yeah, I don't think I have my I don't think I have my badge on today. Uh oh. Wow, I'm lucky I didn't try to uh, you know use the restroom or anything. I would have been locked out like a style. Hey, I need to get back in the. For the love of God. Uh, remind me during the break to go up and get my key, or else I'm going to be. Uh, no, I I propped all the doors open because I don't have my key. Okay. I was just going to say, well, you know, do you ever, do you ever do that? You lost you... it again. I thought you found yours. Well, I was trying on lingerie Friday, and I didn't have any pockets. Let's do a little quiz. What part of that story could have been left out? Okay, there you go. Uh, well, in any event, do you ever walk around and you re- you can't quite put your finger on it, but you know you're missing something, and then you kind of slap your pocket and you realize you don't have your wallet or you've forgotten your keys, or in this case, I don't know my... Uh, I don't know my badge that'll let me through all the various electronic doors that are put in place to keep uh, you know the riffraff away from us. All right. Well, in any event, why? Hello, it is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, and so forth. It is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'd like to join us today. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you would like to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, recipes, excoriations, whatever it is you uh, might have today. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Richie Bristow standing by, ready, willing, and able to panel, uh, pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the absurd, whatever it is you have on this Friday. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. Here's what's coming up in the next four hours. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill today. Let's hope, by the way, for the sake of everybody, that the crazy is dialed down at least, oh, I don't know, two notches as we get through the uh, the rest of the uh, you know the, the show. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for just a little dash of crazy. Yesterday wasn't so much like a dash as it was like that thing when you're trying to add, oh, I don't know, cayenne pepper or something to some sort of flavorful dish you're preparing at home. And you got that little thing from Lowry's, and there's the plastic top that has the holes punched in it. But occasionally there's some guy, usually a roommate, some uh, you know, some jerk you live with, and he's been using, let's say, the red pepper flakes or maybe the cumin. 
And he's done that thing of taking the plastic lid off so that he can just dump a bunch of the cayenne pepper into some vile dish that he's preparing. And then when he puts it all back together, he doesn't really seal the lid on top. And then you, wanting only a small dash of cayenne pepper, unscrew the lid, turn it over, and then the whole top comes off. And then you got like nine tablespoons full of spice in something that was only supposed to be moderately spicy. Yesterday, just like that. Swap out crazy for cayenne, and you're all good. Anyway... Uh, so we'll uh, talk to Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins today. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. We'll talk about Carolyn Kennedy, who I don't really care about Carolyn Kennedy as such, but it's just sort of an excuse to talk about Joe Kennedy. Uh, uh, let's see, what else do we have today? Cena Radio correspondent James Roof, who is finished. He's uh, done and finalized that piece about psychics and the new year and the economy. So we'll talk to him about that. Cena Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy will weigh in about Rod Blagojevich, who really is the gift that just seems to give eternally. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, it's High Concept Friday, so we will do uh, today's High Concept topic later on, probably the uh, 1 or 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas coming up today. By the way, it's got the best headline ever. I mean, best being a relative. I'm just going to read this right here. The Sex Offender Who Stole Christmas. Right there. Oh, also this one. Clergyman goes to hospital with potatoes stuck in bottom. Right there. It's going to be a fantastic show. There's so much news today, it's ridiculous. We never even got to that story yesterday about the monkeys turning on their owners and beating them with sticks. Right. I mean, I'm kind of giving away the story here, but I mean, you you have to believe me when I say the story is just as good as the headline. Uh, uh, Let's see, what else we got? Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. And I do believe today's Geek Watch is just the slightest bit gay. So, and I don't mean that like in a figurative sense. I mean like but gay, gay. Really. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so that's that is all on the uh, on the horizon. Scott Daly's going to join us today. Uh, even probably he's actually going to be reviewing some films. I think he's seen Valkyrie, which is the new Tom Cruise, the the Hitler thing uh, that's coming out. And then he has also seen Frost Nixon. Which is that new Ron Howard film, which is getting all kinds of advanced raves and buzz and whatever. So Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio will be here uh, for that. And uh, we will be uh, rolling out more Christmas favorites in a musical sense as today's uh, show progresses. It's 503-733-2970. Pardon me, I got a cough. All right. Fantastic. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of A Man Called Flintstone, the 1966 original theatrical release, the full-length motion picture featuring Fred Flintstone as an international spy. Uh, now recently reissued on DVD from Warner Home Video, uh, is remastered uh, with a brand new, uh, you know, sort of kind of cleaned the print. It looks fantastic. Many bonuses and special features. A Man Called Flintstone, the 1966 theatrical film in its full-length DVD debut. The one random on-air caller today. And also, I meant to get to this yesterday. Uh, we'll do it today. Uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week, who wins. This is really the biggest prize we've had at the Glorious Bastard of the Week in some time. The 24 DVD set. The Flintstones, the complete series. 166 episodes on 24 DVDs, 70 hours, including special features in a collector's edition box that looks like the Flintstones' home television. There you go. That's coming up today. Uh, we've already got some calls coming in, so we'll uh, go to those here in a moment. <coughs> Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello, Rick Emerson. I got a little something, my little frog in my throat for some reason. Because, you know, 
I don't know if I ever actually made this observation on the air, but for, it, it was like one of those things that I think we said it every day for so long that probably nobody even really noticed anymore. But we were all kind of just feeling sick and run down and under the weather. And I actually at one point figured out that I had calculated that I my voice started to go south on November 3rd. Which was the day, I, I think it was the third, whatever, the Monday before, the day before the election. Mm. My voice started to sort of fray away the day before the election. And then, of course, we came in election day and the day after the election, and my voice was, and I was actually gone for several days because I couldn't talk. And then I had that lingering cough, which was gone. It's back today for some reason. But I was actually coughing for a month because it's like December 18th now, December 19th. So I actually had a cough for five weeks. She's just weird, and it's not all because of the studio. There's just some sort of weird ick out there in the air. But um, anyway, so I got something like in my throat today, but it's just weird. I think it's the longest I've had any kind of lingering cough, and I've talked to several people. I don't mean to be alarmist about this, but I've talked to several people who have had a sort of dry cough for like three, four, five weeks, don't want to go away. So I'm just, if I were you, I might be getting a shotgun in a, a bomb shelter because I fear that Captain Trips may be upon us. Anyway, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. You look fantastic today. That's a nice salmon-colored sweater you have on. Thanks, yeah. I like this. I got this at a... Um, at a good will. At a, yeah, at a peak. <laughs> the vast majority of your clothing seems to cost less than $3. It's true, I know. you make I'll, it work. I'll spend, like, you know, $20 on a lipstick, but only, you know, like $2 on a sweater. Good for you. That's the way I roll. All right. Oh, so did, did you watch Black Santa's Revenge that Dave, Wa- oh. uh, Dave Walker gave No, and you know, and I actually sent David Walker... We'll get to calls here in a moment. We'll talk to Richie Bristol. We'll, we'll do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you, this, I had this great slash terrible thing happen to me last night. Terrible for me. Great for you, uh, Sarah, because it'll make you feel better about your car. But I, David Walker, from uh, formerly of Willamette Week, was on the show yesterday uh, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley because we're having different laid-off media folks fill in for Tim all through the rest of the year. And we should say first and foremost, David Walker sounded great. He was fantastic. Uh, it was really it, quite an exceptional show yesterday. And uh, and And... I sent him, though, an email last night where I said, hey, thanks again for coming in. Great. We'll have you back sometime. But then I sort of apologized because we didn't really get a chance to sort of like whore his, his various other projects because he does like all of this other stuff. And because most of the folks who've been filling in kind of work in one section of the media. They specialize. They do one thing. They're either, you know, basically a print person or they're a radio person. And so I've just sort of gotten into the habit of just kind of focusing on that one aspect of what they do. And I didn't even realize until David Walker was done yesterday that, you know, he writes, he blogs, but he also makes movies. And he handed us, after the show, you said in the hallway, DVDs of this film he made, Black Santa's Revenge. Which I watched. Is it great? It is amazing. And you know what? It was sad, though, because I didn't... Because I know that all the film nerds are all friends in town. But you know my friend uh, Doug, who died, like, about a month ago? Yeah. And that was kind of a shocker because Doug was in the movie, and I, I knew that they were all friends. Because, wow, cause that's I'd seen, weird. Yeah, because I'd seen David Walker at, at Doug's funeral, and uh, so yeah, that was kind of scary because it's like you know all these thugs coming to beat up Santa. And it turns on, it's like, and there's Doug on the TV. I'm like, oh, well, he okay. lives on. He does exactly, but it was it was very surreal. But I knew that they were friends. But and Jason Sabala is in it as well. Well, I'll watch it tonight. It's hilarious. It's 20 minutes long. Um, there's this scene of like these people like taking out, stealing all the toys from all the children and stuff, and there's a scene in the warehouse, like a shootout scene, which is hilarious. You will love it. Right. Like the blood and gore and like people's heads being blown off and stuff. It's really fun. So the movie is Black Santa's Revenge. You can find out more about David Walker and his various projects at Bad As, with Z's, Bad As Mofo, B-A-D-A-Z-Z-M-O-F-O dot com. 
you can find out more about all the stuff he does there. So anyway, so I sent him a long email like, I'm oh, sorry, I forgot to pinball your stuff. So, uh, but you should go to his website and check out his various uh, his various projects and uh, and so forth. All right. So Black Santa's Revenge. Well, it's on my to-do list uh, for tonight. Then. There's, it's the easiest thing. It's just 20 minutes. I think I'm going to make it a requirement anytime anyone comes over to my house to make them watch Black Santa's Revenge. It's like a, to ride this ride, you must watch Black Santa's Revenge. It was awesome. And the, and the dude who plays Black Santa, is uh, he was in Devil's Rejects. I recognize him from I saw that on the front. It was like featuring so-and-so as seen in Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I, I can't remember what character he would have played in it, but I remember um, that he does look really familiar. Richie, were you given a copy of Black Santa's Revenge? Nope. Okay, well, you would can you borrow, like borrow one. Mine? Yeah, you sure. can borrow one of ours. Apparently, it's a must-see film. All right. Uh, yeah, let's so, see. so what's going on with your car? Well, okay, we'll get to these calls here in just a second, but I um, I do have to say this. So the good news is, not that anybody cares about my, you know, my dental health, but the good news is I'm done with all my trips to the dentist. Last night was my final dental trip uh, for 2008 because, and it is sort of darkly amusing, I will... As a side note, can I... Tim Riley? Well, I was going to say, can I just deviate for one second and tell you that, you know, obviously we know a lot of other people in the media. Um, and, you know, we know people in radio and we know people in TV and we know people who work in, in print and whatever. And there is someone I know. I won't identify this. I will say that it's not Peter Carlin because that, that's who everybody probably thinks it is. But there's somebody I know who works in the print media. And we were having a conversation the other day because I was trying to track down somebody who'd recently been fired to see if they wanted to come on and, and you know, do, do a news day with us. So I was talking to a friend of mine who works in the print media, and it, it, we were sort of just, you know, kind of comparing, you know, just sort of swapping a little, you know, recent war stories about, you know, like, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the industry-wide cutbacks, not just in radio, but in, in media everywhere. And print, of course, is getting it pretty hard, too. And I said, well, it's kind of, I said, were you just kind of getting through it with our trademark, you know, sort of bleak, uh, you know, comedic musings? And this person, she just said, you know, she said that she was actually thinking about hanging an actual noose in like her office, because she said that, like, gallows humor does not even begin to describe the way that everybody's sort of getting through the days uh, where she works. So, anyway, so, you know, of course, we're, you know, we're no strangers to that kind of comedy here. So, I will say that it's sort of funny in a horrible way that just, like, I think a month ago, Tim and I were here, and, you know, Tim, of course, is just, like, nuts about oral hygiene, and he was going to the dentist to get something or other done, and we were both... We were both sort of talking about how we try to get all of our dental work done as fast as possible. Whenever the, whenever the dentist tells us anything needs to get done, I like I try to schedule it all. Like like if I could get it all done in one day, I would. You know, because the dentist will always give you the option of, well, let's see, you need um, five fillings a crown, uh, a root canal, probably cleaning and some sealant on 75% of your teeth. Now we can do that over about four months, and I was just like, no, get it done. If you can do it all today, do it today. If you can do it by the end of fiscal year 08, that'd be even better. If you can, if you can get it done before the end of this fiscal quarter, that'd be fantastic. Because one never knows when you're going to get that. Uh, one never knows when you're going to get that charming phone call letting you know your insurance is only going to be good for another two weeks. After which you can pay nine thousand dollars a month for Cobra. So. Uh, so Tim, I know that Tim, God bless him, had gotten all of his dental work done. Just as like, we like all the week before. Seriously, the week before all the S went down, uh, because he and I both were like, you know, you never, you, you never know. You got to use that insurance while you got it. So by the way, as a little FYI, a confidential from us to you, if you, uh, if you currently have insurance benefits of any kind, dental, medical, accidental dismemberment, if you plan on being dismembered, you do it now. Do it while that insurance is still working, because uh, you will rue the, the fact that you didn't do it if your insurance vanishes on you. So yesterday, I got my final dental work done. 
It went in there, done, finished, locked, loaded. And so I was feeling it really good about things. I was feeling, hey, my dental work is done. Everything is, you know, I can check it off. You know, now one less thing on the agenda. And it was, of course, you know, really cold yesterday, and the weather wasn't that bad. But I get in my truck, because I've been bringing the truck to work on the offhand chance that this, that their weather predictions turn out to be true, which they never have, by the way. It, it's been like opposite day with all of the meteorologists here in Portland. And I felt bad for David Walker. He was so pissed because he's like, okay, so it's bone dry outside now, and I had to take the bus for an hour. Seriously. It's going to rain. means it's going to be dry. Going to snow. means there's going to be no snow. It's going to, you know, it's going to be sunshiny. means there's going to be ice. So... On the off chance that they were going to be correct, I brought my truck to work yesterday. So I leave the dental office. I, uh, you know, I'm getting in the truck. I'm driving around. But of course, what it is is really cold. So I've, I'm warming up the truck. And you know, you got the two little levers inside your truck, or at least two if you're me. You got the one that adjusts the temperature of the air, cold to warm. And then you got the one that adjusts where's the air going to go? Floor, side vents, uh, defrosting your windshield, or a combination of floor and windshield. So I'm adjusting, you know, that. I'm pointing it toward the windshield. And then I go to adjust the hot to cold uh, air temperature selector on my dashboard. And the switch is stuck a little bit. So I kind of wiggle it. And as I'm, as I'm wiggling the switch in my, in my Toyota last night, which, by the way, is a fine truck in, like, every other way. As I'm wiggling the switch, it just completely snaps off in my hand. But, but it snaps off as I'm wiggling it to the left, locking it in the cold position. So now, I have no heat in my truck. I mean, there's, I mean, theoretically, the, the engine warms up like I could have heat, but the switch snapped off like an inch behind the dashboard in the cold position. So now, if I want to like defrost the windshield, I'm obliged to do it using cold air and by having one of the windows down, which is the most frustrating thing on earth. Because like, if I could just somehow move the switch again and leave it in the heated position, that would even be fine. Why did it have to break off in the cold position? That's pretty magical. So now I can't adjust it, I can't change it, I can't alter it. My dashboard heater thing is stuck in the cold position and it can't be moved. I'm sure that I uh, somebody with a, you know, why don't you take it in and get it fixed? You know why? Because every jackass uh, from Beaverton who doesn't know how to drive in half an inch of snow managed to rack up their their SUV somewhere, and they're like in line to get it, you know, taken care of. So, so there you go. It's a Christmas miracle. For the love of God. That's kind of hilarious. Right. Do we have to break? Can I take we, these calls? Should we roll through? How do you want to do it? Um, I think we probably should knock out a break. It's going to be kind of crazy today. All right. All right. Well, let's... Sorry, uh, callers. All right. Uh, if you're on hold right now, and I know you are, uh, I'm looking down at the phones. Richie, Bristol, will you do me a favor? Will you tell these callers one by one that I, uh, Rick Emerson, uh, regret the fact that we have to break, but we will take their calls immediately on the other side? I kind of feel bad. I always try to get to a batch of calls before this break. But if you will let these folks know that we're going to get to them in just a matter of seconds. Uh, back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Stay there. Yeah. That was fantastic. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503 this bed reminds me that at some point we'll probably have a geek watch about Rob Zombie being cleared to ruin yet another movie. I guess we'll be doing a Halloween 2. Hooray! Uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see. We'll do a couple calls here. Then uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, sir. Madam, as the case may be, what's up? Hey, Rick. How are you doing? What's up, sir? Hey, your intro was the Wookiee Christmas. Yes, no, it's from the Star Wars holiday special. 
I remember watching that. Yeah. Wasn't ELO on that? Is it like a musical guest? Jefferson Starship, uh, B. Arthur, who else is on that? Carrie Fisher sings on that. Uh, Harvey Corman is there, I believe. Uh, Art Carney. Uh, the version wow. I've got is like a 50th, you know, generation copy. It's like so blurry. You can, it's unbelievably blurry. Although I know that there are better copies of it out there. But yeah, I could. I think we couldn't let the holiday season go without playing something from the holiday uh, special from Star Wars. I had totally forgotten about that until you just played. Yeah, that's what we do, sir. Crazy. Oh, and uh, thanks for ruining my favorite Carol. Also. Oh, the Oh Holy Night. Yeah. Oh, Sarah and I were noting that it actually now is the definitive version to us. Like, I can't no, hear I, it anywhere else. I can't hear it on the radio anymore because I, that, that version just substitutes itself on the yeah. line. I mean, well, yeah, that has become the, that yeah. is the archetypal version now. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. And then another thing. Yeah. Yesterday's show, Virginia on yes. the coast, you, I, you honestly did not know. I'm just saying, who thinks about Virginia? That was, I don't mean to be restirring the hornet's nest, but I'm like, do you spend a lot of your time thinking about Virginia? No. No, but I mean, I know it's on the Atlantic. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can I tell you. Look, I don't know anything I about it was geography. In the That's what I'm saying. I don't know where anything is. I am the American who can't find Iraq on I a map. Know, I, I never properly learned my states or capitals. No, I don't know. You know what? I, sir, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not, it's not like I'm trying to be like some badge of ignorance guy. Like, look how dumb I am. I'm so proud. It's just. It's just a thing I don't know. Uh, placement of states and countries is a thing that completely eludes me. Uh, and, hey, well, you're not alone. I mean, it's a lot of people. Well, it's like Sarah and I were just talking about this. I, you know, I tend to think everything is in the middle. Uh, you know what I mean? They'll talk about some state like Michigan or someplace being somewhere. I think Michigan's like in the middle of the country I somewhere. I it was in the middle. But see, I don't think it is. I think it might be somewhere else, but I don't yeah. really know. It's middle, right, north, uh, along the well, like upper like, middle. Yeah, but I mean, really, like, who cares? It um, would be my point. I mean, really, when do you ever need that knowledge? Uh, well, I guess people in Michigan would. But uh, uh, one more parting thing. Yeah. I was listening to Adam Carolla's show. Mm-hmm. And he was, had this discussion, Christmas tree, uh, real one versus artificial, right. why or why not. And I couldn't get through to his show, but I have a reason why to get a real Christmas tree. It was like, Let me understand this. You couldn't get through to Adam Carolla, so I'm now like the yeah. I'm like the girl that's home at 2 a.m. when nobody else will take your call. That's right, because I know you'd appreciate this idea, okay. maybe. I don't know. Uh -huh. But uh, three words, or four, I, can't, I don't know, but New Year's bonfire, what I do is I take that tree because it's just ready to go. And yeah. don't do this if you live in, like, a urban area, of course. But uh, it's good to go. The kids and I, we get some fireworks. I live in the state of Washington. And we decorate that thing. And come midnight, we set it ablaze. And it is a pyrotechnic display that you would not believe. It's it's great. So you're now it's, you're uh, not a role tradition. model, though. All right. Um, well, you know, i got a fire extinguisher. Yeah, I'm safe right. about it. But, I mean, I, All right. I okay. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Okay, got to go. Jesus. Never ending phone call. Wow. All right. Uh, you know, I was going to get to a whole bunch of phone calls here. Got to one. Let's see. We have uh, somebody about cars and somebody about the top five uh, that we'll get to in just a moment. So hang tight. We'll get to you uh, on the other side of this, ladies and gentlemen. Almost heaven, West Virginia. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Now, I just want to check because I do love the John Denver. Uh -huh. And I do love, you know. And Virginia. Blue Ridge person. Except that, you know, West Virginia is a different state. Oh, for the love of God. Oh, really? All right. Well, <laughs> we just appreciate John Denver and all this glory. Or you know, maybe or maybe cut us a little slack here because we're not that bright. I know that I speak for. I, I would imagine there are callers out there, perhaps, saying, 
it's a different state. And yeah, but I mean, but those that, are call- I, I'm loving the John Denver. I'll take the song. You know, but oh. those are any any callers who are going to get all like up in my business about it, or by definition, people from Virginia who I don't really need to care about. I mean, let's can we just? I mean, can we be honest about that? I mean, unless I'm going to be doing a study in black lung, so. <laughs> Jeez. I don't. I'm not trying to disparage Virginia. I just yesterday for those who don't know. I don't even know why we were talking. Oh, we were talking about drilling offshore. Yeah, yeah, drilling um, for the coast of Virginia. Drilling That's- offshore, and I said that I didn't really know that Virginia had an ocean or a coast right. or whatever. And you said, how could you not know that? And I said, because no one ever really thinks about Virginia. Right. And you just went, you were all, you went apoplectic about it. You were agog. Well, and- I think we, I think, I feel like there was something like a little more, I I don't really remember it, I went, you know, but I think there was something like more negative that you said that I was kind of like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. So, well, in any event, I'm just I'm just saying, and I as the guy called up, uh, you know, just just a moment ago was asking us this. The, whatever I may know in this world, one of the things I have no concept of is geography as it regards like sort of uh, spatial relations. You know. So, so you would be cool. Like so, basically, you're and it's kind of blanket. Like you you don't expect people over here to know that Oregon is on the west coast. No, because like what is it? What is it? You know what? Because it doesn't matter. Like, that's the thing. Here, the, the placement of states, placement of states on a map is one of those things that they always seize on to point out that Americans are deeply stupid. Don't get me wrong. That's a true stuff. I mean, Americans that are is, some of the dumbest people on earth. There's no getting around that. That's the gold standard. You're yeah, right. A but, stupid American. You're right. But the, but the thing is, like, they're using this completely false, uh, this false marker. E- example. Yeah, they, exactly. They're using a completely false uh, um, marker for it by having Americans... Uh, you know, tested on something that does not matter or really affect anybody. And they'll always they'll always pick some Scotty J guy and they'll stick him in front of a map and they'll say, where is Afghanistan? And he'll be like, I don't know, here. And he'll point to like, uh, you know, like the Congo or something, which which isn't true, but it doesn't really matter at all. So it's like how I don't really need to know how the microwave works. I put stuff in. I know not to stick tinfoil in there. Whatever. That's it. Done. Yeah. Well, so, okay. I mean, all of the money and energy and time we spend in this country trying to get people to be able to name all 50 state capitals as though that's a thing <laughs> you're ever going to need to do in your real life. I mean, why don't we work on, oh, I don't know, spelling or, I don't know, using the English language correctly. Uh, right. Right. Jesus. Uh, right, I I hear you. I hear you. So ya. there you go. So for the record, I, mean, I don't know where Michigan is, and people in Michigan don't need to know where Oregon is. I am, as you know, I'm a little I'm a little uh, attached to my home state, you could say. So so that's and, and you know being especially because I'm from Northern Virginia, which probably even matters even less to everyone listening to this. But but there is a sort of uh, now Northern Virginia is not a separate state, right? It is not a separate state. That is okay. correct. That is correct. Um, however, uh, it, there's kind of this. A lot of people who are not from Virginia like to look at it and say, oh, well, Northern Virginia is different than the rest of Virginia. And, in fact, probably the hardest moment I had this entire presidential campaign, because I really was trying not to be biased, and I really saw the pros and cons of both teams, was when uh, Sarah Palin and the McCain crew came to Virginia and started, and they, they were losing in the polls, and, and they started saying, well, you know, of course he's doing well in Northern Virginia, but that's not the real Virginia. And Jason was sitting there when I heard it, and my husband, and I was just livid. And I was like, I can't, it's going to be so hard not to be biased. Sort of like, sort of like, must fight to keep journalistic integrity. Oh, it was like a dagger to my heart. I mean, it was for like three days, I was like constantly fighting it off because I was like, oh, you know, so yeah, yeah, so I've got, I've definitely got, and then being from Northern Virginia also and having grown up thinking that I was a Southerner. 
And then I started my first reporting in South Carolina where I wasn't even remotely a Southerner. You know, it's kind of like, like you know, I'm used to having this identity that I always clung to question. So uh, you, you caught a little bit of that. Okay, um, see, I was going to say, and see, maybe that is like a weird, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say there are parts of the country where it's like it, it becomes some sort of weird, it becomes a disproportionately large piece of your persona or your self identification or how you know how you picture your own your, you know your own existence and yeah. like the south seems to be just just full of that yeah uh, south, it's a very it's a big deal and yeah. also people on the also people on the east coast but yeah. i got to i got to say really people on the west coast it, it, and i think even actually middle america i think the sort of the great rust corn belt dirt belt whatever it is like like kansas and all those states that don't matter the but on the, everybody else in the rest of the country is like really into being from I've really never met anybody from the West Coast who was like all about like I'm Washington State pride, you know. <laughs> Nobody from Idaho is like Idaho represent, uh, you know, and they're really into it. So on the West Coast, we got like real stuff we're doing. We don't have time to sit. Yeah, and, I don't you know, know what happened over here, but we really. I mean, the South. It, seriously, the Civil War is still a thing. The North has got its own issues and thinks that why does the South still care about the Civil War? What's wrong with Don't that? Don't you mean the War of Northern Aggression, Lisa? The War of Northern Aggression, that's right. All right. Well, um... But yeah, and, and, so, and so actually forth. it was a thing with Jason's from Maine and Connecticut, and I kind of was like, I can't believe I'm dating this guy from Maine and Connecticut. That's crazy. Really? Did you feel like uh, did yeah. you did you feel like um, uh, oh god her name is escaping me now uh, I was going to do a love story reference the, oh geez the girl in love story um, oh it's so close uh, I guess your face uh, the, uh, anyway whatever so you were dating the guy from the right side of the tracks and yeah yeah exactly like that. well but Jason hated that you know when I when I'm not on the radio I'll say I will say y'all you know he's like, you're not a southern you know and I, thought, I am a southern and I do. Say y'all, and he's like, "Oh, you." I don't think you ever said y'all in our presence. Do you remember Lisa saying y'all no. when she was here? No, I don't say it on the radio, and it's because. No, but I'm saying when you were here with us in Portland. Oh, really? What? I don't. I remember you saying y'all. I know that I did because Jason made fun of me. He's like, "You just said y'all in front of Rick." Is this like a? Uh, is it like an Oprah thing where you turn it on whenever you're trying to relate to the common man? You know, I hope not, but I, I know I have said it. You know, since I was a kid. But Jason hates it because he said it makes it makes you sound dumb, <laughs> which to me is such a Yankee thing to say. Well, that's love, really. <laughs> well, in no, any I, don't, I don't say it on air so much because of the you know uh, bigots like Jason. <laughs> that's why this whole show is just. Uh, uh, do you feel like uh, maybe the wheels are coming off the country's mental wagon lately? <laughs> you know, it might, I think we've had enough. I mean, this year has just been it, this year has been too much. Yeah, that's all. Uh, Okay. But if you want, and you you might not want, I I can go into the details of the uh, auto deal that we have now. Oh God, do I, we actually have an auto deal? We do, we do. It's, All right. Can you can you hold on for just one second? Yeah. Hold on. Hey, uh, Richie, is it cool if we run a couple minutes late with uh, with Ed here? Please do. All right. I just want to make sure that we don't trod all over Ed McCarthy's well, well, maybe, slot here. Maybe you should go to – he's got the Blagojevich story today, so that's a good deal. Yeah, it's just uh, so so much news, so little time. It's true. Well, let's work backward, though, from uh, from Mark Felt dying. Um, so Mark Felt, who, of course, was the the, the famed yes, in, secret source uh, named Deep Throat right. by Bob Woodward, yeah. uh, died. Did you ever read Woodward's book about Deep Throat? 
the book? I didn't know he wrote a book just about Deep Throat. No, uh, Woodward, right after the right after the revelation came out, which would have been what about a year and a half, two years ago. I know uh, he wrote that really long article that was like a book. I'm I'm almost positive that he actually put out sort of an Insta book. Oh, maybe that was uh, like Deep Throat revealed or Deep Throat, but it was like it was like Woodward's actual book. I'm almost positive. Maybe I, I know I read what was on online on the post, which was lengthy, but I, I didn't read a book. It contained though a really awkward and and uncomfortable interview with Mark felt who clearly at that point was like foggy on even his own name uh, because he was deep in the stage of dementia and it was really it felt very I have to say as much as I respect Bob Woodward uh, and for all of his real accomplishments it felt really uh, grubby to read it, it seemed very exploitative um, I'll say that was a perfect example of what Larry King is good at I feel like Larry King is good at the you know the interview with the guy that may not be completely on his game because uh, Larry King you don't really know where he is oh man you <laughs> You know, and it, and it, it was like this perfect, like, I'm going to ask you a three-word question. I am unclear as to why I am here, yes. and I do not know who put these suspenders on me. And it worked. He's like, did you like the name, Deep Throat? <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, but you read this interview that Woodward did with Mark Felt, and it's so clear that Felt just really is not all there, and not even in a... You know, and there's and there's and there's nothing funny or amusing or or, or or comic about it. It's just sad and uncomfortable to read. And you kind of you kind of dislike Woodward a little bit while you're reading it for for steering this guy through an interview with all these push questions. Yeah. When the guy clearly doesn't know where he is anymore. And it's like if you've ever read uh, the big long deposition that Reagan did about Iran Contra after he left office. Ooh, I should read that. I oh man, it's in a book called um, Shadow. Uh, also by Woodward, where they have the transcript of Reagan's, uh, you know, they gave this sort of interrogation of Reagan after he was out of office about Iran-Contra, and Reagan clearly doesn't know where he is or what's going on, and it's just so sad, and, and again, makes you feel very, it's very unsettling to read. Dirty, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I feel like there's uh, so much to do here, but unfortunately, I gotta run because uh, otherwise we're gonna be unfair to poor Ed McCarthy, who's been very patient while we sit okay. and talk about the okay. states yes, all day. Are you on a Monday? Um, yes, I will be. Okay, then we'll catch up on all of this on Monday. So have a great weekend. Stay safe and dry. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thank you, Lisa. All right. Wow. My apologies in advance, Dave McCarthy. I just feel so... Uh... Just for those playing the home game, it's Lisa's uh, fault because she called late, by the way. In the meantime, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? Hey, Rick. Um, certainly having some vehicle problems. All right. Well, hold on a second. We'll get back to that in just a moment. So, ladies and gentlemen, from the South, the actual South, CNN Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Hello there. How come I sound like I'm from the north when I'm in the south? Uh, it's all very confusing. And my apologies, by the way, for getting to you late. Lisa called late, and then we got into this whole thing about, like, you know, I felt like I was in that uh, computer war tennis shoes movie with Kurt Russell where suddenly I was having to remember, like, uh, you know, what the capital of, uh, you know, Saskatoon was. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we got two things I want to get to real quickly. Uh, so is it today that Chrysler kind of shuttered or, 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 or idled, I guess, as the pun goes, all of their factories here in America? Yeah, the last shift, which uh, I guess that should be coming up shortly, uh, the uh, the last shift of the day, and that means that they're going to be closed now for a month, uh, and really not giving any promises that they'll be opening uh, any time right on the deadline or just after that. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, they obviously are not uh, positioned very well uh, financially in the market right now, so of course, I'm sure Lisa talked with you about the uh, the bailout, the Bush administration uh, making that announcement today. So that is going to help. Everybody seems to be happy about that. But the question is, what will it actually do? We know what this uh, shutdown of these plants, the Chrysler plant, now that's an extra two weeks. Usually they, they usually retool, they 
call it retooling, and they shut down for around the period of the holidays. But uh, this is a little bit longer than normal. And, you know, these communities are starting to feel the pinch of all of this. Uh, it's really rough on them. Of course, naturally rough on the uh, the auto workers. Uh, they're certainly not going to be getting the kind of money that, uh, you know, they would get normally if they're working their regular shifts. They'll be getting a combination of unemployment and, uh, you know, however they work that out uh, through the uh, package that they have, uh, getting uh, some money, uh, you know, while they're really basically on furlough. So, you know, it's a, it's tough tough on families, especially around Christmas time, the holidays. And it, there's no guarantee that these plants are going to reopen at the end of this month, right? I mean, they well, could just stay closed, like, indefinitely. No, that's the whole point. I mean, you know, if you look, you read the tea leaves here, you know, you're not getting the thing like, we're definitely going to open January 19th. You're not getting that. Mm. You're just not getting that feel. So, you know, that's something that uh, a lot of people are concerned about. You know, a lot of these GM plants uh, have closed, and uh, GM and uh, Chrysler are coming out today uh, making statements, you know, saying this is uh, uh, terrific, you know, a good good first step. Uh, apparently the Bush administration feeling today that, uh, you know, had they gone down the tubes completely. Well, here's the thing with bankruptcy. You're going to buy a car. But what are you thinking about? You're thinking that you want to make sure the company is going to be around, number one, for parts, warranty, all kinds of things like that. Mm. So, something to think about. Just, just, just all kinds. I mean, it's just, a, just another. You know what it is? It's just another candle on the bad cake. Uh, it is, it and really then you is. Can, well, you have the critics, of course, that say, you know, hey, this is throwing good money after bad. There's a congressman from Georgia who uh, said exactly that today. So, you know, or a lot of them. I mean, you know, they'll say, hey, listen, they didn't uh, buy or, you know perk up Edsel or any of these other cars that went down the Tuesdays car companies uh, years ago. They just let them go by the wayside. Maybe they should do that. Maybe we should do a retroactive bailout for the Edsel, the Corvair, the DeLorean, uh, the Yugo, you know? Somebody I like to... that. All right. You just, you, that, that, that idea is free from me to you. So. I would love a DeLorean. They, that was a great car. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, big plans for your weekend at McCarthy. Not really. Oh, have you done your holiday decorating, all of you that? Know, we're, we're kind of working on all of that, trying to get that in here with all the stuff. This is not that it's been rather unusual. There's been so much going on lately that uh, it's not like your typical uh, you know, holiday story section. You know, We've just been really swamped with a lot of good stories. We're trying to keep up. So. We are. All right. Well, enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you very soon, Ed McCarthy. All right, Rick. Thank you. Thank you, sir. There you go, Ed McCarthy. All right. We'll do these calls, uh, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, this is, oh, this is actually, uh, we had put this guy back on hold. You were calling about my car, sir. Well, I was just calling to you know that um, I'm also in the uh, stolen vehicle club. Um, my car was stolen this morning, and I ah. and a <laughs> bunch of savages in the town. Uh, but, what uh, what kind of car do you have? It's a 2003 Honda Civic. And, I'm letting it warm up. And this was, and, oh, so it was stolen, and that was from your driveway? Uh, well, stolen from the street. From the street. Yeah. So you were letting it letting it warm up, and then I, I guess it had not been able to lock the doors, or the doors were unlocked, and some guy just comes along and just... And see, that's the worst... I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I've had my truck stolen uh, three times, so I know how bad this is. The worst part is the idea that you actually warmed up the car for the guy. So he's driving along like, <laughs> and it's nice and toasty in here, too. Thanks. I'm so I'm too paranoid to warm up my car, because I'm afraid that something like that would happen. Well, see, we were having this conversation the other day about, I think you can lock your doors, though, because you got, like, a, an electronic door opener. Yeah, but I don't know. I've never tried it because I don't want to leave my keys in there, and then all of a sudden, like, you can sense that the keys are still in the car, so it won't, you know, let me unlock it. I think you're giving your car too much credit for being alive. It's true. Uh, well, that sucks, uh, my friend. Have you? And of course, you called the, the man and filed a report. 
Yeah, it took them uh, two hours just to give me a phone call back. Well, I mean, to be fair, let's be to, to be fair to the cops. Uh, they, you know, they got a lot going on right now because there's morons sliding into other morons and you know, the car accidents and whatever. And uh, here's the thing about and I, cops. Got a, you know, cops like everybody else doing more with less. They got a lot to do and fewer resources with which to do it. I will tell you this: the great thing about the cops is they're not necessarily going to go track down your car. I mean, that's just a reality. But as soon as, like, your car is, is found somewhere, which it probably will be, they do get right back to you. Like, we found it. Here it is. Come pick it up. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it was just going to be sort of daisy-chained, which is where, you know, these, like, meth guys come and they steal the car. They drive it until it runs out of gas. They dump it and steal another car right there. Because the, what always happens is they'll find your car about a block from where another one was just stolen. And so they'll just steal it, drive it, run it out of gas. Dump it. Steal another one. Drive it. Run it out of gas. Dump it. Yeah. How much gas did you have in there? Uh, well, I put new tires on it last week and the full tank of gas in yesterday. Well, so they may find it in Pocatello, but uh, you know. Well, I'm sorry about that, sir. Um, so I guess uh, we probably did your, did your keys have your other keys on it as well? Uh, yeah, it has all my keys. Oh. My keys and uh. Oh, she wouldn't have asked that. Yeah, and and I, and I can't I can't lock the door because uh. Honda, they can make a good car, but they make it idiot-proof. So when you put your keys in the ignition, uh, you can't lock the doors from the outside. Ah, uh, no choice. Ah, uh, that's like you know, I walk out my car with my sweatshirt and like all my stuff to get ready because I work outside, and I'm like, wait. Well, that is what? uh, <laughs> that is unfortunate, sir. Well, um. Sarah, say something nice to end this. I was gonna say I have I have nothing, and and really and. It's kind of a tricky thing. I mean, it, you know, you almost kind of go, you you almost kind of want to like give out like the maker model or whatever. But the problem is, we do that, then like everybody who sees that a car who even looks like that, they're going to call the cops, and then it's just going to cause more trouble than it's worth. So, well, can um, you give out a license plate number? Well, we could do that, uh, I suppose. Uh, if you want to, uh, you do that? if you want to, why don't you do this, sir? Why don't you, uh, if you want to send this when you get a chance, like a sort of description and a license plate number, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can do something with that. So. Um, anyway, well, uh, my uh, my sympathies to you for the lack of your car. And the one thing I always say about car theft or car burglary is it is among the worst crimes that can be committed to you in this sense. That like it, it like an idiot can do it. I mean, just think of the brains it takes to like break a window in a car and then steal some crap out of it, or to like take a car where the keys are already in it. That's the worst thing is that you realize you have just been beaten by a moron. Like a guy with a brain the size of a walnut has just gotten one over on you. That's what sucks about it. Well, man, it's the twice one. I've already had the wheels stolen on it. Ah. Out of my out of my way, you know. And I got I'm I'm going to school and uh. Going to work and I don't qualify for financial aid because I make too much money. Uh, but it, it drops me down to like making. I might as well be working part time because college funds are three hundred dollars a month. <laughs> Merry Christmas, sir. Merry, Merry Christmas. All right. Well, thank you for listening, my friend. I hope things come together for you. All right. Thank, All right, you. thank you, brother. All right. Man. He'll be spending Christmas in jail, George Bailey. Hey, we'll look at it this way. Uh, the last time I got my truck back, there were no seats in it. So maybe you have that to look forward to as well. Jesus. That's just depressing. Well, okay. So maybe I can't actually turn on the heat in my truck, but at least my truck is still here. I mean, it's here as of now. I guess I should go check the back parking lot. Good Christ. How's your day going, Sarah? Can we oh. all agree this is the worst holiday season in the history of everything? It is the blackest of Christmas. I'm sure there have been worse, but this one's pretty bad. Well, I suppose. I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, I suppose there probably have been worse holidays, but I will tell you this, that this, just, it does seem like, it does seem like as much as this show is sort of predisposed to look on the darker side of life, even by our standards, it's like every day, every week, there's just, just a truckload of bad happening out there. And in here.
Why, hello. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Take a break. We come back. Uh, we are having a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. We come back. We will uh, welcome the latest uh, uh, the latest contributor to the uh, news hour. We've also got uh, Steve Kastenbaum coming up later on, Jim Roop, uh, Scott Daly, High Concept Friday, and more. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this. The Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsicality. It is 503-733-2970. By the way, I found this on the floor in the studio yesterday. Hear that? Here's a question. If you're going to be revolting and leave food around the studio, why just go all the way with it? I mean, this is something... What is that in there? I'm not going to open it, but it does seem to me to be... I think someone consumed an apple all except for the core. So they sort of gnawed the apple down to the core, but then they put the core back in this Tupperware container. But the Tupperware container also appears to be have the residue of some sort of goo-like food. So, and But then, of course, they, the Tupperware container containing this apple core, what didn't go in the trash, didn't go in the kitchen, didn't go in the fridge. They just stuck it on the floor in a dark corner of the studio where it's been sitting for God knows how many days. How so, you know, I really don't know the answer. To it's, Ew. Well, it's been sealed, Sarah, so fortunately all the Cory goodness is still inside. You should open it and smell it. I'm not going to open it and smell it. But I will. But it's, either be disgusting or don't be disgusting. This is a weird middle ground that I just find sort of strange. Where you put the apple core back in here and then you stuck it on the floor. It doesn't make any sense at all. All right. I'm going to put that over here. Um. Here's what's coming up later on in the program. Uh, we will have a CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastamam joining us. Jim Roop at his piece about the psychics and the economy. We'll do High Concept Friday. Scott Daly's going to be here from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, we got the Joy of Christmas coming up. Geek Watch. Uh, uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of shenanigans and goings on. As you know, uh, throughout this uh, the past few weeks and throughout the end of the year, we have a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Yesterday, we had David Walker, late of Willamette Week. Uh, today, we welcome to the Rick Emerson Radio Program, 35-year career broadcaster, Jim Cummings. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Rick. Nice to be with you guys. Um, Good to see you, Jim. Yeah, thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I, now, I'm doing my Jay Leno thing of, like, reading a thing off a piece of paper and pretending that I knew it all along. Is it true that you, uh, you, wanted, you wanted to be uh, an orthodontist? Uh, yes, yes, I did. I went to college to become an orthodontist, but I was a, a longtime musician and loved music, and so I thought, you know what? Just for kicks, I'd get a job at the campus radio station, and that's what I did. I did that for the free vinyl, and of course, the other swag that comes along with it—the T-shirts, the backstage passes. You By know. swag, you mean drugs? Yeah, uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean that. But uh, it was an interesting era in time, and uh, after uh, after a semester or two. I decided that the uh, broadcast classes were a heck of a lot more fun than the chemistry classes, so I switched my major. What is the difference between a dentist and an orthodontist? Uh, a dentist is a general practitioner. An orthodontist specializes in orthodontic appliances, braces. 
Uh, orthodontic appliance. Orthodontia. Right. Orthodontia. Appliance, sorry. Yeah. Orthodontia. Yeah, orthodontia. Uh, yeah. Doesn't really work. That's right. right. I think it's a Greek word, isn't it, Sarah? Oh, I'm not sure. I just had to go to the orthodontist all the time when I was younger. Yeah. Orthodontia yeah. is the Greek goddess of uh, overbites. <laughs> that's the best I could do in like five seconds. Hilarious. That's the best. That, it's the best yeah. that my exhausted brain could come up with. Yeah, don't, just... Rick. Be careful not to make me laugh. I'm coming off of a chest cold, and I might hork up some particulate matter. You know. Please don't say hork. Please don't say hork in that sense. Or I might h word some particulate matter. Yes, that as well. So and then uh, is and so you were kind of uh, all around Portland, Seattle. Uh, you were at KGW TV. Yeah, uh, yeah. All uh, manner of things. And sales as well? Sales, yeah. I actually didn't uh, think that I would be going into sales originally when I started out my career. No one does. But, you know, when no I... No one uh, dreams of being a salesperson. When Can I just say that that's true? Yeah, when I realized that sitting in a small room with giant monitors didn't pay all that well, I kind of changed my <laughs> paradigm a little bit, and uh, sales was the, the avenue that I pursued from there and had a lot of fun with it, got to run and you know, a young man's game for a lot of years, and, you know, it was a lot of Did fun. Did you really, truly have a lot of fun with it? Well, you know, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, broadcasting is a creative industry, and there's a lot of people like you and Sarah that are a lot of fun to hang around. And, and uh, yeah, but the sales game is also uh, challenging. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff about it, and, you know, after a few years in it, you get that thousand-yard stare that I know you see upstairs. Yes, yes, that's the sort of the uh, how long until I can go to the nearest bar uh, look. I mean, really, I do. I think that if you were to able to open up uh, the average salesperson's brain and look inside, uh, you would see there's always like a countdown clock running in there about like how long until I can get out of here and just give myself a belt of, uh, of like Yukon Jack. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just, which is fine, you know, to, to each their own. All, everyone must get through life with some kind of succor. So, uh... In any event. All right. Shall we, uh, shall we do some news? Are we prepared? Are we locked? Are we loaded? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's begin the news and hour. now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Ladies and gentlemen, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, laid-off Portland media professional Jim Cummings. Hello, sir. Good news for all of you people of, uh, who are owners of uh, automobiles of the big three. The bailout has been approved. Automakers get $17.4 billion. That's a B. Uh, President Bush today said that the government will give the automakers $17.4 billion in loans. Citing danger to the national economy, President Bush approved an emergency bailout in the U.S. auto industry today, offering $17.4 billion in rescue loans in exchange for tough concessions from the deeply troubled car makers and their workers. I like the idea of, of describing them, by the way, as deeply troubled because it's sort of Deeply troubled kind of implies that they have a pile of animal bones out back and that they're setting small fires that nobody really knows about. I hope these are really tough concessions. Like Dexter's dad is sort of sitting there going, look, if you're going to lay people off, you've got to lay the right people off, son. I'm just going to give you some rules. Um, well, let's back up for a second here because I don't know much about much. I don't even know where the states are. Uh, the uh, Quick, Sarah, uh, capital of California, go. Sacramento. See, but there you go. Right? Yeah, you. you okay, got, no, that was a no, guess. You got it right, but it was a flat-out guess. No, sirs, I have no knowledge of of states or capitals uh -huh. or anything. All right, Rick, what's the capital of Illinois? Is it Chicago? Is Chicago the capital of Illinois? See, but that doesn't make any sense. Jim knows. But see, don't answer yet. Hold on, don't say it. Why wouldn't Chicago be the capital of Illinois? So that's just stupid. Why is Olympia the capital of Washington? Doesn't it seem like? Like, we ought to be able to move capitals around as circumstances require. You know, why? it just seems weird that Los Angeles isn't the capital of California, because New York is the capital... Wait, is New York the capital of New York? Have we gotten any of these right? 
Wait, is Sacramento the capital of California? I don't know anything anymore. Well, without the capital, you know, Olympia would have nothing. <gasps> well, but who cares about Olympia? I mean, I mean, really, I don't mean to sound cruel. They would have nothing. They've got nothing now. What's in Olympia besides the capital? Tell me. Not the brewery. Anymore. That's what I'm saying. Really, I they mean, they have a pretty waterfront. Isn't like that, is that what they're there. clinging to in Olympia? We have pretty water. It's Washington. Everybody has pretty water. I mean, I don't mean to sound like a jerk about it, but I mean, they've got... It's like... Look, can we be honest about a few things? What's in Salem other than the capital? I mean, there's the fairgrounds. End. End of line. So it seems like the capital ought to be a thing that, like, you don't get to just have forever. Like, it seems like you ought to be... You have to, should have to work to stay the capital of the state. All right. Sacramento. I swear to God, we'll get back to the bailout in a second. Sacramento is the capital of California. Salem is the capital of Oregon, mm-hmm. even though it ought to be Portland. Olympic... But why? I mean, why should Portland? Like, what do you think? Because it, we're the biggest state. We're the big... I'm just saying, if you're going to have the seat of the ca- of the state government someplace, don't you think it ought to be in a city where everything happens? Didn't you have to learn the state capitals at Kennewick High School, Rick? <sighs> I, yeah, but it, but you just but here's the thing. But the answer is in the question when you said Kennewick High School. I mean, there's really no learning of any kind going on there. <laughs> at Kennewick High School. The president stuck in my head. The states and, and capitals. And I don't can. Can't tell you. I mean, my wife knows how to, she can name all the Mormon prophets from the very beginning. I can't even do that. So when I lived in Utah for several, I can't even, I can't name probably for you the first 10 presidents. In Kennewick High School, all they really do is teach you how to find a bail bondsman at 2 a.m. That's it. So Salem, capital of Oregon, Olympia, the capital of Washington, even though it ought to be Seattle, the capital of Illinois is, hold on, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to quiz somebody randomly. And then we'll get back to this bailout. I'm sorry, Jim, for hijacking the news like five no seconds in. No problem. I don't know who's working the front right now. I think Zinn's gone until next year. Mm-hmm. I'm calling to buy advertising. I'm calling to spend all my money in an annual. CBS Radio, this is Casey. I can help you. Uh, hi, uh, this is Rick. Is Susan Reynolds around? Um, no. Okay. I don't think so. I haven't seen her. Is Bridget here? Um... I don't know. Let me put you over to First Avenue. Thank you. Uh-huh. Instant discount. Spend $50. I don't know where where we were just there. You know, the thing is, I just picked Susan randomly out of my head, even though she's actually from Illinois. CBS Radio Portland. Sam speaking. I don't know what's going on. Hey, this is Rick Emerson. How are you? Hey, Rick. How's it going? Um, It's going well. Here's the thing. Uh, so we're doing a little quiz about the state capitals. Okay. And uh, my my instinct, because I think I just we call her more than anybody else, was to say Susan Reynolds. But that we shouldn't call Susan because she's from Illinois. She'll know. Um, let me ask you this: uh, Is there is there somebody like around, like maybe a salesperson, uh, that we could just sort of quizz randomly on state capitals? Uh, I mean, I know they're probably I could try all to grab out. Somebody for if you like. They're probably all out selling. So probably there's nobody here because they're out pounding the pavement, selling one huge deal after another. There so, are. but well, I mean, if on the well, uh, the, Corey's the, walking by right now. The million to one chance that somebody's here. Corey's here. All right. He's walking by right you now. You put him on the phone. Rick Emerson wants to you. Oh, Corey, good looking Corey. Corey, male model Corey. Okay. I'm sure on the phone at the moment. Beloved by drag queens. I'm sorry. Sorry, he he just got a sales call. All right. <gasps> that is a lie. All right. I'm sh- I'm certain that all the salespeople are out. All right. Well, we'll try it again. Night. All right. Oh wait, 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 wait. He just turned his phone off. He's coming back. All right. I'll just. He's coming through the door. All right. All right. He's here. This is Corey. Hi, Corey. It's Rick. How are you? Hi, Corey. Hello. How are you guys? Um, uh, I'm doing the. I'm doing okay. Fabulous. Hey. So, uh, do you know the capital of Illinois? Illinois. Don't tell me. We couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't know Illinois. Illinois. 
Is this the thing where you're stalling like you're going to come up with it, but you're never really going to figure it no, out? No, 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 no. I, I should know this. Don't be looking it up, and don't let Sam Google it. Is it Springfield? That was Googled. No, okay. Yeah, Jim Cummings, don't ever tell us the answer. Just say yes or no. Okay, it's not Springfield. Okay. All right. Do you have another guess? Do I have another guess? Yeah. Um. No, you don't. We'll move no. on. What's the capital of Ohio? Ohio. That would be... Springfield? Is there one there? Chicago? What's the cap? Do you, do you know what the capital of Ohio is? Keep in mind, Sarah and I don't know either. Of Ohio. This is really like just a moot question. Akron? Yeah. Jim, Akron? Jim Cummings. Ohio. Yeah. Is the capital of uh, Ohio Akron? Uh, I'm guessing on this, but I'm thinking. Wait, yes. so now now you don't even no, know. No, no, no. I didn't say I knew Ohio. Who's the expert here? There really Nobody is no one. That's my whole. We were. I was making the point earlier to somebody that Americans don't really know the state capitals because it's pointless because there's no reason to. Well, anything east of the Mississippi, why don't you uh, bring it out west? Let me try that. All right. What is the capital of. Montana. Montana? Yeah. Bridget, Bridget is listening, by the way, and oh. she's from Montana. Bozeman? Jim? I don't think so. We don't really know, though, do we? We'll check that. It doesn't matter, Butte. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done. You know, Corey, here's the thing. We're going to end this call, and let's pretend we never did this bit. I'm pretty sure it's Bozeman. Okay. (laughs) Bye now. Thanks, guys. There you go. All right. Now I'm just getting heckling emails from listeners saying how disappointed they are. Oh, you know, why don't you tell those listeners just to go eat a big bag of it, huh? I mean, seriously. All right. Is he demanding to come into the studio? I'm sorry. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Rock 101 KUFR, our good friend uh, Bobby Fatboy Roberts. Hello. Hello. Did you just tell Corey that it wasn't Springfield? I said that I didn't know. No, you said it wasn't Springfield. Well, he said, no, no, no. Let's stop for a moment. Jim Cummings said it wasn't Springfield. Hi, Jim Cummings. I'm not sure. Hey. Hi. I just said that I don't know, and neither does Sarah, because neither of us know the states. No, it's not Springfield. I never said that. I I just heard you say it. No, and we're talking about uh, Montana. We're talking about Montana. Springfield, Montana? Because Corey's answer to everything was Springfield. Oh, it was? Yeah. Well, he was right. In Montana? No, in Illinois. Everybody stop! (laughs) Here's what happened. too fast. No, no, no. Okay. Everybody be quiet for a second. Yes. All right. I was talking with Lisa Desjardins earlier, who was horrified that I didn't know or care about Virginia in any way, and that, in fact, we didn't know that West Virginia is a separate state. And Wait, what? Because who cares? <laughs> because it doesn't matter. It's a thing you don't need to know. It's, it's a false marker for intelligence. You don't need to know. And so then I was noting that in school they spend all this time drilling the capitals into your head, yeah. which is like a complete, it's like a total make work thing. It's like it's an absolutely useless skill and something that you don't need to know, like unless you live there. In which case, you know, because you live there. And even then, you don't really need to know. And I, yeah, and I was going through how, like in most states, the capital is not where it ought to be. Right. That you don't, you shouldn't have a lock on the capital. You should have to earn it as a city. And then you should go to Portland. You know, yeah. if you can't, if Salem can't make a convincing argument for keeping it, <laughs> Salem can't make a convincing argument. No, they, no, they can't. can't. No. And so, uh, and so. The the fact that Weird Al goes there twice uh, a year is not like reason enough to remain in the capital. So I was pointing out that it's not just Sarah and I. Uh, it is, in fact, everybody who has this lack of knowledge. So we called the front and we, they patched him to a random salesperson, which uh-huh. is Corey. Yes. And we started quizzing him in the states, but his answer, like t- two states in a row, was Springfield. Well, he was right about Illinois, though. So, so one the, out of two is Wait, that. so the capital of Illinois is Springfield? Yes, the capital of Illinois is Springfield. What's the capital of Ohio? Uh, Mr. Mr. Smart Funny Radio Man. I, uh, yeah. I, I want to say Columbus. Stump the geography douche. <laughs> Is it Columbus? I don't know. I want to say either Columbus or Akron. 
Here's the thing. This One of the two. is probably the biggest waste of airtime we've ever engaged in. That well, really is saying something. I'm glad here. I could be here for this moment. Well, that's what we did. This magic moment. I'm going to pull this and send this to a consultant. <laughs> All right. Uh, and no, so okay. forth. Moving how, how do you not know that uh, Western Virginia was a state with all the election coverage you guys did? Yeah, but, Like, but, you needed that state's results to come but in you know what? But point. that's like an attempt file. That's like in a cache. Oh, okay. I got you. The, I like, after, you know, when you're done, like, the browser clears out all that crap. You don't even have to be, like, anymore. done. It'll just, like, m- oh. more pictures coming in. Seriously. It's like I got I'm, Britney I'm Spears come back. That, My brain is essentially a victory. I'm Googling the, um, the capital of Ohio, and I still can't find it. <laughs> Ohio doesn't care. It's I'm, all garbage. I'm pulling the ripcord on this now. Online Fifth garbage pile. No Columbus. It was Columbus? Hey, look at me. You can't stump the geography, we douche. So what are you trying news. to do? What are we doing? Oh, I don't know, but I feel vindicated. Yeah. For your guess? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, Bobby Roberts uh, with uh, Corton uh, Fatboy. Yeah, you, uh, you can read my review of The Spirit currently on the front page of Ain't It Cool News. Leave now. I'm out. Go away. That's awesome. Die! <laughs> How many things have you gotten on Inical News yet, so far, Rick? I'm sorry, was someone uh, was someone speaking just now? Well, I've only had now? one. I mean, you've had at least one, right? Not talking to you for the next five minutes. Hello, Jim Cummings. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Back let's, to the news. Let's try to finish that first news story that we never got through. So, how much of a bailout are we giving the auto industry? Seventeen point four billion. Now, oh, now, I don't understand. How did this happen? Did the Senate agree to it? Uh, no, no. I think this is uh, this is an action by the president to uh, keep the people at the big three uh, building cars and building parts, so that the people who are driving those cars uh, have a little bit of confidence in uh, their vehicle. But I don't understand. I don't. I really. And I, okay, this is not me pre- pretending to be dumb, because as you've just as you've just uh, heard over the last few minutes, there no there's no pretending. <laughs> that ain't a front. I I really don't understand why. I'm trying really hard not to get frustrated. Why was there this big fight about it? For the last month, if all Bush had to do would go like, no, we're doing it. Like, he just did it with a stroke of his pen for more than they were asking for, by the way. They wanted 12, and the Congress kept fighting about giving them 12. Bush just gave them 17. How does that happen? It's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, is that just like an executive order? Mm -hmm. Why didn't he do that a month ago if he was... Why did we have to go through this uh, whole month of fighting about this bailout if Bush... Oh, man, you know... cooler heads prevail. Seriously... Just what an ass! Yeah. What a, what just what a colossal just just what a, just what an enormous uh, uh, just jerk he is! What a dick! <laughs> what well, a jerk! And I am saying that about the president, yeah. really, honestly. What an ass! Well, uh, why did we have to go through this whole trauma of the last month for twelve billion? If goddamn George Bush was just going to give them seventeen billion crazy. by just signing a piece of paper. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you editorialized on that, so I wouldn't. Oh have no, to. feel free to do it. Okay. I don't okay. know if you've ever really no. listened to the way we do the news oh, on the yes. show. Well, you oh, don't yes. have to be the straight man. You okay. say whatever okay. you want. But well, I mean, why? Uh, well, I'll I'll say this. I wish I could have been in here on Monday, so I could have talked about the event where the guy threw his shoes at, yeah. at Bush. Now, of course, wish... keep in mind, by the way, that we uh, don't advocate uh, any kind of uh, shoe throwing, any kind of shoe throwing at all against any elected official. Right. Right. Well, you know, Bush. That's the sort of thing. That's the. That's the sort of thing that we're not going to say, because, of course, we don't advocate the throwing of shoes at the president at all. The the president is to be treated with physical respect at all times. But, like... But you can call him a jerk. But seriously, but but I I really honestly don't understand. I almost feel like i got to call Lisa back about this, because... And what are these huge concessions 
that the auto industry is allegedly going to have to make about this? Well, uh, I don't know, but I hope they're tough because, you know, I, if I were the auto industry, I think they should have taken a lesson when the first Volkswagen Beetle hit the shores in 1961. That's when the paradigm shifted in the automotive industry. And then it took Honda. This is just my thought, but Honda has just exacerbated that with that and a Toyota and all of the other Asian automakers that put uh, more quality control into their product. Which makes no sense at all. Yeah, all right. Crazy. Well, let's. Uh, well, let's do. Are we still on that story? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's oh, yeah. do. Let's do a few more. Uh, a little bit more on the story because I do want to kind of know what's going on here. Okay. The government will have the option of becoming a stockholder in the companies, much as it has with the major banks. In effect, partially. Because of the same sort of situation. So uh, my question is this. Will it now become, uh, what do you drive? Well, I drive a USA Chrysler 300. Well, that's, and that's the other thing. is like the government's actually going to have a stake of ownership in the auto industry, which seems like the worst possible place to put your money. Uh, you'd be better off storing your money in a fire. So the idea that you're going to have a stake in the auto industry that, by the way, is actual socialism, not like the fake socialism they kept trying to tag Barack Obama with. Like, that's actual socialism. And if like, the banks won't even give the auto industry money. Like, that's, that is, I mean, that's the really telling thing about, about this whole situation, is that the auto industry has to come to the government, read us, for money, because they can't get a loan from an actual bank, or it, they can't even get overseas financing because they know such a bad risk. All right, well, okay. True. True. At the same time, Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson said Congress should. Uh... My gosh, this is very small print. Uh, should release should release the second three hundred and fifty billion from the financial rescue fund that it approved in October to bail out huge financial institutions. Tapping the fund for the auto industry basically exhausts the first half of the seven hundred billion total. He said. On Wall Street, stock prices rallied as uh, investors cheered the government's action today. The, the early gains ease later in the day. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Well, it's funny that I would call right out of the blue and catch this story. It's Dennis. Oh, hello, Dennis. But it doesn't, you know, on the screen it says you're a guy named Tim. Well, I could be Tim. Uh, either way, uh, it's interesting. This story has gone uh, uh, like gangbusters on the websites and uh, blogs around the country. But it's interesting the way that it breaks down. You know, I actually was trying to get this to you, but I actually, if you can believe it, have a copy of the General Motors Corporation restructuring plan for long-term viability. So, um, you know, we're obviously going to discuss that on the show. That's pretty much dominate my show on the weekend. But it's interesting to see the take that so many people are are giving this particular item because. It, it, it is an unfortunate thing. We've talked about it already. It's a, it, it's something that's like one of those necessary evils. And you know, if you look at the way that you know, there's always a, a parallel or a, a, some sort of, you know, I don't know, if a comparison between Toyota and Honda. Toyota, for the first time in something like 17 years, is going to have a loss this month. So I mean, as as sales vote for all brands plummet. It's not so much the manufacturers in this, in my humble opinion, but a lot of it has to do with legacy, you know, legacy employees, the, you know, the union that needs to be, and this is again a personal opinion, that needs to be, you know, slapped in the back of the neck with a shovel and it's, you know, broke and buried. But that is the, that is really the biggest problem. And it's unfortunate because who knows whether this is actually just shoving a piece of gum in a dike or it's really going to be the start of, a, of solving this problem. It just seems, yeah, it just seems like it's weird, though, that we had to go through this whole uh, last month of this 
when it's you know when when Bush was actually kind of just sitting there with this thing in his back pocket that he was going to do the whole time. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And if you look at, I will send this to you, and maybe we can talk about it some other time. But I was reading the pay cuts that something like the top ten percent of General Motors employees are going to be making one dollar next year, um, as far as what they're doing with manufacturing costs, what they're going to you know what their focus is, and it's it's you know you look at it, you want to be positive, you want to be you know I guess apathetic to their cause. It's just whether or not it, the plan will follow through. And, you know, I want it to because, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm a big car nut. What can I say? But on a business level of a small business owner affected by the economy, we all are, whether it's, you know, the fill-in for the, you know, great Tim Riley to the people that are there now that are also unemployed, where does it end and how can we improve it? So, it's a, you know, again, I, I go back to the same comment. Is it a is it a piece of gum in the, in the dam that's already going to break or is it really going to, you know, is it going to patch this thing up? And get yeah. it steered in the right direction. I just want to know if we're. I just want to know if we're still going to be seeing commercials where it's like, uh, you know, the, the brand new car of whatever brand in the driveway with a huge bow on it for Christmas. You know, uh, the only one that's. Honey, doing... I bought you a bailout. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm still. I, I have actually taken the GM bailout plan that I got a copy of, and I've just crossed GM and put Dennis Pitzenberger on it, and uh, I'm sending that back into the government next I'm, week. I'm telling you right now, man, you ought to be pushing for a bailout for the Edsel. Just I mean, it, it, so I told McCarthy, the Edsel, the Yugo, the Corvair, the DeLorean, just demand that they all be given money. And there's, you know, the funniest thing is said, and I'll say this before I get out of your hair. There's actually a company right now that bought all the rights to remanufacture DeLoreans. And you can buy a brand new, brand new 2009 DeLorean right now. How much could I expect to pay for that? About 50 grand. That's great. Well. All right. Uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, Miles Around Radio, uh, Saturdays 9 to 11, soon to be 9 to noon on this very fine radio station. And, of course, Miles Around TV on Comcast Sports, 1.5 million households. And growing. Hey, thanks, brother. All right. Great thank show. you, sir. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. We'll try to get more than one story done in the next segment. Hello, Jim Cummings. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's nice to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I like how you feign politeness at the fact that we uh, we completely ran roughshod about four sentences into that first story. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go nowhere. Emerson radio program. I would like to have been able to see Montana. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. By the way, I'm just going to read these two emails back to back uh, following up the unpleasant capital discussion uh, from earlier in the program. This is like that thing in cycle. No one will be seated during the controversial capital sequence. This email says, Rick, whoever... Everybody can give me all the crap they want about not knowing where anything is in this country or, in fact, the world. I'm going to read these two emails back-to-back, though, and then you all can shut the hell up. Subject line, Rick, whoever said Springfield is wrong, uh, oh, I'm sorry, whoever said Springfield is wrong, 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 but, uh, but they're not wrong. Okay, I'm going to try this one more time because the words are all sort of, this is like an E.E. E. Cummings letter. Rick, whoever said Springfield is wrong 
is themselves wrong. But then the email says this. Also, by the way, Billings is the capital of Montana. Don't tell me to eat a bag of anything. That is followed by this email. Rick, the capital of Montana is Helena. So everybody should just stop thinking about the capitals all together now. And we're done. All right. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, all throughout the rest of the year, a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, with the news, Jim Cummings. Uh, from St. Paul, Minnesota, Democrat Al Franken is edged ahead of Republican incumbent Norm Coleman for the first time in Minnesota's long-running U.S. Senate recount. That thing has been recounted two or three times, hasn't it? We were actually talking about this it's this been morning. Been forever. I mean, when was the election? November 4th. This yes. is... I mean, it's like six. How long does it take to count votes? I mean, I know it's Minnesota, but it's all snowed in. What else is there to do there? It seems exactly. like they could have just gotten it. I mean, does it explain why? I mean, I know that's a big, broad question, but I guess we'll, let, we'll hear some more of the story. Maybe it'll explain it. Franken opened up a lead as the state canvassing board made its way through hundreds of ballots challenged in in the race. Franken Franklin. Franken gained his advantages the board weighed challenges by the Coleman campaign, but as many as 5,000 withdrawn challenges from both campaigns won't be awarded until Monday, and the lead could change again. The boards have also rejected a request by Coleman to exclude some ballots his campaign had argued were duplicates. So this is the... Well, how can a ballot be a duplicate? Don't well, you have to... I don't know how they do it in Minnesota, because, we, because we're pampered here with the mail-in thing. I guess you show up yeah. and you're like... I don't know, you like fill it in or it's like a it's like I mean, an X hell, or an optic scan or Yeah, New York she had to do one of those old, you know, like pull down Oh, they're old school in New York exactly. and it's like they're one like, day. Yep. Like in one day like they don't have the other they don't do it electronically, they don't do it like you can't mail it in, you can't do it absentee. Like in New York you gotta go stand in line in one of the precincts, uh and pull the uh, pull the lever like behind the curtain or whatever. So yeah, they say, vote soon and vote often. That's only in Chicago. Chicago, right. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, there's uncertainty over the potential pool of 1,600 incorrectly rejected absentee ballots, which the Supreme Court said Thursday could be added to the count if the campaigns and election officials can agree on a plan for doing that. You know, here's the, here's the best and worst part about this is that I get to go to Orem, Utah, uh, next week, which is... Are you really? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am, Sarah, for four glorious days. So... And and sometimes I just tell people will say where's Orem and I I've actually started just saying Provo because it's easier than explaining where Orem is. But it would sort of like say capital of Utah. That would be Salt Lake City, Sarah Dillon. Yeah. So that's the only one that is really obvious there. Are you um, sure? Are you sure that isn't just the temple there? No. Well, it is. It is both the actual and the de facto uh, capital. Yes. So. So I actually just say Provo because people kind of sort of you know that Provo is a city, but Orem is in fact this tiny town that is about 40 miles past Provo. I mean, it's a town. It's like 15 people there, and there's just a whole lot of nothing. So my relatives, it's just my in-laws. Every single room in the house has just got the TV with Fox News blaring away. So that's going to be a good time for everybody. So I will get to hear. Like I don't care how it turns out, good, bad, Franken, the other guy doesn't matter. I'm going to get to hear about this for like for like four solid days. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the news, Jim Cummings. A local news story. Ice and snow drive people to mass transit here in Portland. All the hassles of driving around in the snow and ice, coupled with auto equipment issues with chains, de-icers, defoggers, batteries, and all this real stuff that have driven people out of their minds and, you know, into the buses. Uh, Max trains are reporting very, very high ridership. Uh, actually, uh, the, the TriMet reports a very light rail uh, ridership of 103,000 for Wednesday. That would normally be an average for a December day, but this was a December day without school, and the big portion of transit ridership comes from students. 
The transit agency says the difference came from people who don't normally ride transit buses, whether C-Tran or TriMet, and are uh, they're getting new customers. Well, this is like David. Didn't David Walker take the? Did he take the bus? He, he said Max. I think the Max and then no Byron took the Max and then the bus. I think David Walker just took the bus. Because they were like, I don't know, I don't want to be snowed in. I hear that it's going to be seventy-five. And then we feet. go outside and all the snow had melted away. Now is it still snowing right now? Like as of this very moment, do we know? You have as many windows as I do. <laughs> That's true. Wait, hold on. No, it's not snowing. Should we call upstairs again? No, I, I think Sam's getting tired of hearing from us, but I will say that I, I can kind of see... KUFO has a window. So I, from here, I can see a little tiny sliver of the outdoors, and it doesn't really look like it's snowing out there. So, all right. But I will say that I think school... I think school was already going to be out, like, as of today or something. I think and my mom's school is out. They're snowed in in Bremerton. But I know that they they already had, like, it closed three days. Early. Like, Susan's kids. I don't think Susan's kids have been in school for, like, a week and a half. I mean, I think, it, like, as soon as you can see your breath outside in Bethany, they just, they're just terrified and everybody stays home. So, and I don't know if you still have to make, like, do you have to make those up in June? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, the way? Yeah, they do. Because you're, that's, and that, you know what it is? That is totally, that is like the credit card debt of the school world. Where you're like, yeah, school day, that's fantastic, it's snow day, I can't wait to stay home, I can't wait to, you know, and then you're home, and you, you know, whatever, but then, like, the end of the year comes around, and you're supposed to be at June 2nd, but it's like June 15th, and you're still there because, you, you know, you were, like, blizzarded in, uh, you know, for a week and a half back in uh, back in November. Yeah, school teachers on days like this, they, they don't like these days because they know that they're going to have to be going to school when it's very hot, and most schools don't have very uh, elaborate HVAC systems. No, no, maybe we get a bailout for them, too. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the news, Jim Cummings. At Portland International Airport, uh, 13 arriving and 10 departing flights have been canceled, mostly because of the bad weather elsewhere. Airport spokesman Steve Johnson says conditions at PDX are not too bad. Johnson says several of the canceled flights Thursday were bound for Seattle or Spokane, where they've got a ton of snow over there. I read it's ridiculous, because just as you're saying this right now, my sister just wrote me. She's flying in from New York tonight, and her flight's been delayed five hours. Where's she coming out of? Uh, from JFK. Ah, uh, yeah. Crap. Five hours? Yeah. Now, see, now, is that like, is she already at the airport? Usually she was getting off work early. I don't know. Because that's the worst when you're already at the airport. Three o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's always it's always tougher when you're flying east to west. Yeah. There's so many variables in between there. Well, and the best, and I got to tell you, there was one time in my life, a plane got, like a flight that I was supposed to take got delayed, and I found out about it before I left the house. Uh, because I because I think I'd forgotten the flight number or the gate or some crap or whatever, but I, I had to go online and I had to check it, and it was like your your flight has been delayed by two and a half hours, which was great because I didn't didn't have to leave the house. The worst part is when you get to the airport though, and just as you walk in, it's like in uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. You're looking up at the board, and and on time changes to delayed, and then like one time out of three changes to canceled, and you're just sitting there just hating your life. And if it's because of weather. That's like twice as bad because then you're just at the airport with a bunch of other grumpy ass people waiting in line to pay nine dollars for a taco somewhere, uh, and, and no one can leave or do anything. So that's always unpleasant. All right, well there you go. Uh, you know Johnson also says that the crews plowed slush and applied de-icing substances on two Portland runways before noon. Uh, good, good advice here. He advises travelers to check your flight times online before. Before heading to the airport. I'm telling you this now. I think I've said this before. What you ought to be able to do, air uh, lines ought to have some sort of a service. Because everybody, you know, you book your flight. Here's the thing. Do you ever, do you remember, Sarah, have you ever had to book a flight without the Internet? Um, do you remember calling ago. up and actually booking a flight over the phone? Yes, I remember that. See, and I was thinking about that the other day. That I can't remember. The, I don't even really remember the last time I did that. When I actually had to pick up the phone and call some guy. 
to try to get a flight booked. It's a thing that I now only remember doing online. But they ought to offer some service. When you call up, where for like a buck ninety nine, they will give you a text message to let you know the status of the flight. Whether you're going to pick somebody up, whether you're going to fly somewhere, you ought to be able to check a little box because you're paying with your credit card anyway. They already got your information for like a buck ninety nine. You check the box, and then they will text you in the event that the plane is going to be delayed or that the flight's going to be late getting out of the airport. I would absolutely because then that's like betting on the insurance of the blackjack table. You know, you probably don't ever need it, but enough people do it that they make a little money on it. There's really no skin off their I'm just saying. Uh, by the way, people are saying it's snowing in North Portland, but not sticking. And this email says, uh, as of 12.45 p.m., there is, in fact, no snow downtown. So there you go. Uh, coming up later on in the program, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, uh, James Roop, Scott Daly will be here, and uh, we'll have uh, your High Concept Friday. Uh, in for the laid-off Tim Riley, Jim Cummings for the news. A judge has issued a warrant charging the 30-year-old man with murder and the shooting death of another man. During that Portland funeral home service last week, uh, Latwin Brown is sought in the death of 31-year-old Darshwan Cross, who was shot Friday at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in North Portland. He died at the hospital on Monday. Police say Brown... So they haven't, uh, uh, they haven't found him no, yet. He's just no, on the lam. No. All right. With your uh, news, here is Jim Cummings. A soccer fan who filed a civil lawsuit following a confrontation with a Portland police officer has settled for 15000 bucks. Jennifer Carps originally sought a hundred... Jennifer Carps? Jennifer Carps with a K. That's an unpleasant name. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, did you ever do any carp fishing around the Tri-Cities on the Columbia River with a bow and arrow? I will say this. Wow, really? Did you yeah, get to ask oh, me yeah. that? Yeah. Hi, we're not Hicks. You look away. <laughs> Look Did away! You do that? Yeah, we came over from Walla Walla with our bows and arrows, and we uh, over by the paper mill at uh, Wallula. I will say this: uh, that growing up in Kennewick, there was this—I uh, I can't remember what it was called. There was some place my the, my uh, my Hick father would always drag me to fish, and it was like by some sort of—it was like by a not a dam, but it was something that was like a reservoir or something. And he would go there, and you would you know ostensibly trying to fish something that presumably you were going to take home and cook which in retrospect is just an utterly horrifying thought because the water is just like beyond filthy in most of the places in my hometown and I, the only fish that were of any reasonable size were these carp and i mean carp are basically just rats with scales i mean it really i mean it really would be like catching and eating a massive cockroach except it swims so no, the answer yeah. is I yeah. did not do that. Yeah. And and even as a child, I understood that um, really using a bow and arrow for anything was going to end in a whole lot of blindness for me and everybody I uh, everybody I knew. I wasn't. I'm not really the graceful kind. Well, the place that we used to do that was right downstream from that big paper plant. So yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, the fish were probably uh, not edible. Just for that hint of iodine in right. your dinner. Uh, Jennifer Carps originally sought a hundred thousand for assault false imprisonment and malicious prosecution an officer arrested her during a 2006 portland timbers game i wonder if she was part of that group that gets written about in willamette week you know timbers army yeah. actually uh, timbers, army. timbers army scarf and i i love the portland timbers yeah. the game and what yeah. was she doing what was she arrested for well she was arrested in 2006 on accusations of interference and harassment uh, a Multnomah County jury later found the woman innocent. The $15,000 will be paid by Beavers PCL Baseball LLC. The group had an agreement with the city that would assume liability for police officers working at the PGE Park. She's, part of the, uh, she's part of the Timbers Militia. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Yes, Rick, your wonderful idea about the text messages. Are What's we... going on in the background of this call, sir? 
I am manufacturing parts. That's the machine running without me. <laughs> okay, I don't pay attention to that. Okay, let's hold. I was just going to say, is that a thing you should turn your back on, do you think? It's controlled by a computer. You know, it hasn't attacked me yet. Okay. Um, what kind of parts are you manufacturing? I am manufacturing score fingers that uh, hold score on. Score fingers? That's what they're called. I thought score fingers was a department store in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're little gripper thingies that hold on to paper while it's being turned into a paper bag. Okay, little gripper thingies is more aligned. <laughs> all right. Well, let's all let's all pretend that that statement made sense. Uh, what are you calling about, sir? Uh, your idea with the text messages. Yes. Alaska Airlines, if you go on to their uh, flight status on their web page, and then you can say, do you want a flight status alert? And you type in your cell phone message. You can either receive an email or just a simple text message. And if your flight is delayed uh, at the airport, it will send you off a text message. Last night I got one that said that it would be 27 minutes late to pick up my son uh, from the airport, uh, and they sent it to me about uh, 80, 90 minutes before it was due to, due to land. And what airline is this? That's Alaska Airlines, and that, sir, is a free service. That's fantastic, and I will tell you, because my wife typically does most of the flight booking for us, and she is sort of partial to Alaska for, this is not an endorsement, I'm just saying my wife, uh, I think everybody sort of, I think a lot of people do this where you'll, you will sort of almost arbitrarily pick an airline the first time you got to fly somewhere like as a grown-up, and then unless you just get really badly screwed uh, somehow, you kind of stay with them forever. So my wife is kind of partial to Alaska. Somebody just said that if you, uh, that Orbitz actually, if you book through Orbitz, they offer the same service of text message notification. I remember how jazzed I was the first time I went online, and I saw that there was like, I forget what it was. It was some airline where you can go on it, and you can actually have like a little uh, graphic that shows the plane flying across the country and like how far away from the airport it is and when it's going to land, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's still be able to follow that. Uh, you can kind of sign online and look at it and say, oh, well, look, they're flying over uh, Montana. Excellent. I wonder what the capital is. Oh, never mind. All right. Thank you. Thank you. the call back there. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program, by the way, which is being broadcast on KCMD Portland. Hello, sir. Well, hello. Hey. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, Hawaiian Airlines does that too. The, the uh, all right, can we? Yeah, when you book online, you can click. You know, send this is now going to be one of those things where everybody. So the capitals or airlines? They just, they just text me and said my flight's still on time for tomorrow. So. Okay. So all right, excellent. So we can now maybe safely assume that this is a thing that is spreading throughout the airlines as an offered service. Yeah, for about a couple of years now, okay. at least. So I'm way behind the time. So this is another idea that I've come up with that I think is original when really. There's like some guy that's been making money off it since uh, 2005. Yeah, probably. That's great. All right, thank yeah. you. Have a nice day. All right. So do you have to go pick up your sister tonight? Mm, well, now she's not going to get back to like 3 in the morning. Because she was coming to Portland, right? Mm, she's oh, supposed to be in at 11. Yeah, have fun. Tell her to, I mean, she ought to be calling for a cab like now. That's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, how can I figure out transportation for her? Because I'll be asleep. Well, so if you're, I mean, if you're not a good enough sibling to go to the airport to pick her up, uh, then. I'm not. Every time I visited her in New York, I, <laughs> like, there's no I have disagreement to take a cab there. by myself. And you, you live know, on the east side, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, it would take like 10 minutes for her. Yeah. Well, depending on how the roads are, I mean, I would. My thing would be this: it's not about how bad the weather is or how icy the roads are. It is about the perception of the weather and the roads, mm. right. because everybody, especially if they're coming from a warm locale, they see a little bit of snow in the news and they freak out and they start to figure that it's going to take forever. I know that on Sunday, this last Sunday, when that when the first snowfall really of the season hit. Adam Thompson, God bless him, uh, co-host of Musicology, and he also works at Rock 101 uh, KUFO. I know that he was actually here for like 26 hours or something because he didn't have his car. He didn't want to walk home. Nobody else was coming to work that Sunday, and the wait for a cab was like three hours. 
And then they kept bumping it back and bumping it back and bumping it back. And it was always, it was that part-time radio thing. Those of you who've uh, been part-timers or weekenders, where the wait for a cab was between three and four hours. But then the wait for another cab to bring you back here would have been three or four hours, by which time he would have had to be back here anyway. Maybe I can find some airport transit thing and book it for her now. That's my thing is I would tell her she ought to be booking a cab for like, make it for 4 a.m. Worst case scenario, she has to sit around for like half an hour. She's got to get her luggage anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's she's like me. She doesn't check anything. Because, well, see, if she waits until she gets off the plane at PDX to call for a cab, they're going to tell her it's going to be like two hours. Yeah. So that's just my little bit of advice. We should take a break here probably. Take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Jim Cummings, who's filling in for the laid off Tim Riley today. Later on, Scott Daly uh, from FilmPeopleRadio.com reviewing Valkyrie and Frost Nixon. Uh, we'll also do High Concept Friday and uh, more of your phone calls. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, still to come today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, James Roop with his uh, story on psychics and the economy. Glorious Bastard of the Week, Scott Daly uh, from FilmPeopleRadio.com is going to be reviewing Frost Nixon uh, and Valkyrie, and we'll do uh, High Concept Friday as well. It is uh, 503-733-2970. And by the way, earlier during the... During the glorious and instantly golden state capital segment of the Rick Emerson Show, which is already being filed that's away. That's going to be the best of. <laughs> that's being put in the archives as we speak, Sarah. Um, we were trying to figure out if there was a salesperson around. And I called up, and Sam at the front desk said, hey, I think there's somebody here. L- let me look around. Oh, hey, Corey just happens to be walking by. And Corey, one of our uh, fine account executives who's happy to handle your business if you'd like to advertise in the Rick Emerson Show. As it turns out, apparently, not only is Corey here, Apparently, they're all here because they can't really leave because they're already drinking. So They are. I was walking in the hallway, and I was going down to get some coffee, and all of a sudden... Oh, I shouldn't name names. All of a sudden, somebody came up. Sarah Wagner. I'm sorry? A few people came up, and they're just like, hey, do you want some special coffee? And yeah. I'm like, oh, you have coffee? And they're like, no, we have special coffee. I'm like, dude, I'm logged in on the board. I'm like, I can't be drinking, and it's 10 a.m. Is that... <laughs> Doing. Is that before the special hugging? Seriously, wow. and it wasn't just her, mind you. It was a lot of salespeople wandering around hugging this carafe of special coffee, <laughs> trying to give it to people. Really, if you need a better illustration of what this last few weeks has been like, you know, that's... Drinking a, at 10 a.m. pretty I, much. Yeah, I don't know that I can come up with one. That pretty much is it. Sounds like the sales department. I hadn't really even thought about the fact that it was 10 a.m. Like that didn't because our workday is a little skewed hour-wise. I mean, I, and by hours, I mean like yours, Sarah's, and me, mm-hmm. and Richie, and today, Jim... I didn't really, you know, because you and I operate in sort of a different timeline than maybe the, the typical nine-to-five world in, in terms of when we're when we're sort of in job mode. Mm-hmm. But I, but you know, I would say for the sales department, I mean, 10 a.m. is like actual 10 a.m. That's like an hour after the office opens. Jesus, hugging <laughs> hugging the carafe of special coffee. That's fantastic. Oh. 
Well, I can only imagine the sort of deals that are going to be cut today. It really, I would say this, if you are a potential advertiser and you're going to try to angle to get the most bang for your buck, today might be the day to do your negotiating. Call our drunk sales staff. I, I suspect that right now you might be able to talk them into almost anything. Do you remember at Entercom, though, the sales department used to drink a lot as well? Ah, uh, see, I don't really remember the drink. I just remember the crying. That's all I really remember about it at Entercom. <laughs> and a whole lot of, like, staring at the stock ticker for the company, wondering when it was going to go above $1.50. Um, well, anyway, I'm sure that's all. I'm sure things have changed. The, um, by the way, why? Well, they I... spiked Lisa Wood's drink. Really? <laughs> they gave her coffee. Like, do you want coffee? They didn't tell her that it had alcohol in it. Wait, let me understand this. Not only is the CBS sales department here in Portland drinking at 10 a.m., but they are, in fact, getting other people unwittingly drunk. Uh, yes, I was offered a cup of that special coffee, but they didn't tell me it was special. Did someone from the sales yes. department try to get you yes. intoxicated? She was hugging that hot pot. Oh, <laughs> All right, what is Lisa Wood's extension? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to call the front again. I hate doing this. They're getting sick of us today. Still not snowing, by the way. CBS Radio. Uh, hi, is this third or first? This is uh, 15th. This is Kink. Oh, Kink. Oh, hi. Uh, hi. This, is, this is Rick Emerson over at first. Could you transfer me to Lisa Wood, please? Yeah, just come Thanks on. so much. Thank you. Okay, now there's nobody at the front. You know we're going to go, but he's going to be slumped over the keyboard. Sitting there. People do seem to be a little bit smilier than usual. A bunch of wet pants. you got to go clear to Jefferson Street to pick up the phone. <laughs> Seriously, they transferred us to, uh, to 15th and Jefferson Hey. Hey, Lisa Wood, it's Rick Emerson. I know. Hey, so <laughs> so did somebody come by and try to get you drunk? I don't think that they tried to get us drunk. They just said, hey, have some special coffee. Uh-huh. And special coffee, I guess it's understood what that means. No, but I asked. I said, is there alcohol in it? They're like, it's special. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I started drinking it, and I'm lactose intolerant. So I'm like, is there is there dairy in this? <laughs> And then they said, I think it's Irish cream. And I'm like, you just gave me alcohol. So, you, so the con- your first concern, so when they handed so you the coffee. So she's which means you can't have cream of any kind. No, no, no. And I, no, I understand that. I'm just saying, yeah. because it was like, what time was this? Oh, gosh. 9.45. Wow. So <laughs> and me... Lacey, you know, Lacey, who does our public affairs, had, had brought some Costa Rican coffee in, so I thought maybe it was like special coffee. Oh, like a special blend. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, wait, let me, so let's, let's just take this one step at a time. <laughs> okay. A. Lacey, uh, Lacey, I always want to call her Lacey Peterson. Lacey Turner, who does our news, mm-hmm. um, uh, had brought, and I didn't know who it was until just now, had brought, I guess, some Costa Rica, because she went to Costa Rica. She yeah. brought some, some coffee from Costa Rica. Yeah. And I saw it sitting in front of my door with like, a little Christmas bow, and I went, oh, that's great. Who, yeah. who brought that? Okay, so she had brought a special blend of coffee in, right. which I guess I saw Bobby making in the kitchen earlier. Mm-hmm. So when somebody came up to you and they said, would you like some special coffee? Because, right. of course, it's 9.45 a.m., right. so why would it ever occur to you? I know. And like, I'm at work <laughs> at a trillion dollar company. So the idea that they would be handing you coffee with booze in it at nine forty five in a workday probably didn't occur to you. No, not at all. Seriously. I didn't not at all. And so on the list of reasons why you might not want to ingest the coffee, alcohol probably wasn't even in the top three. No. You just tasted it and you said, Wait a minute, does this have cream or milk in it? Because yeah. you're lactose intolerant. Right. They said, Oh yes, it does. It has Irish cream. Oh no, they didn't say court said i think it's irish cream and i said really <laughs> because it's 9:45 in a work day and all right all right yeah. well, and then i started to feel funny and realized there was booze in it all right uh, by the way I'd, I'd i'd say this i'd keep your wits about you because i've seen the other people that work down here and uh you know i'm just saying you might be feeling funny in a completely different way later on <laughs> awesome you know what i'm talking about yeah i do right, thank you lisa all right, bye. All right. wow i think we should stay I in here is there a wagner in here
I don't. I think we should get Sarah Wagner into a into a treatment center of some kind. That's what I'm thinking. We need to get the woman who was hugging that hot pot. In. I think that was the same Sarah. So okay. Well, I'm thinking that we ought to leave these doors uh, locked if the remainder of the program. I think it's probably madness out there. I get the feeling that uh, that if we were to walk up the stairs, it's going to be a little bit of a fighting over the conch kind of a thing. So I think we should stay in the safety of this studio for the time being. Jesus. They're going to be dropping a boulder on Piggy upstairs any second, though. Uh, throughout the uh, rest of the year, we have a series of laid-off media professionals filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jim Cummings with the news. Outgoing U.S. President George W. Bush. Wait a minute. Is, is this a Bush, a Bush watch? watch? Yes, this is a Bush watch. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your Bush watch for Friday. Residence is kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, that's my Bush. Life is hard. That's the price of fame. When you're president, everyone knows your name. Hey, what's that there? It's my Bush. I can't believe he's actually in the White House. That's our home. That's my Bush. Gentlemen, with your Bushwatch, Jim Cummings. And 19% of the American population still loves him. I want to know where those 19% are, though. It's Let's like... find one. Let's just find one person in Portland. Well, yeah. the, the, uh, that story we had the other day where it said like 84% of Americans think the country's on the right track, and but no one ever does the, like, we're going to go find the 16% that think that things are going swimmingly. Is it 16? It is 16, I 16. think. 16. Okay. It, here's your Bushwatch. Outgoing President George W. Bush said Thursday that he is considering a farewell speech to the entire country about his eight-year stint as president to spur vigilance about the terrorist threat. Thinking about it, thinking about it, a lot of presidents have, and I'm giving it serious thought, Bush was quoted in an interview with C-SPAN, to envision when asked about if he was planning a farewell speech before he leaves the White House on January 20th, not a minute too soon. Bush said he has already talked to a speechwriter about it. Now, is this... Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Is this... Now, is this a thing I don't even really remember? Do presidents typically do farewell speeches? Did, um... Uh, did Clinton do a farewell speech? I don't remember I can't, speech. I can't... I can't remember at all. Sarah, do you remember a president doing a farewell speech? Um... It sounds familiar. I wonder if that's a thing. They, I mean, they do the final. There's well, because we've had the same. Yeah, I guess he didn't have to do a farewell one since he, it's been the same one for eight years. So. <laughs> but they, you know, I, as they get to the end of the term, you know, they always do that thing where it's like, um, you know, it's like, well, it's the last time he's doing whatever, like at the last state of the union. And, uh, you know, the last time he goes to visit certain heads of state uh, or the last time uh, that he addresses Congress about something or other. But I'm trying to remember if previous presidents, cause I, because I have to tell you, in my own head, I really am sort of. I really am sort of divided about whether he should do a farewell speech or not. I really don't. I really don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, on the one hand, I think that we're all we're all about done with him. I mean, I think on the I think we're ready. We're ready to move on. I think George W. Bush is a bit like a sitcom that's gone on for about nine seasons past its expiration date, and you're just sort of ready for it to be to be over. On the other hand. Like you got to know first of all that you know that you know you've seen those bumper stickers for years now the one twenty oh nine or whatever where they're like or the, we have that calendar we have a, de- a page of the day calendar in the kitchen where it's like counting down to George W Bush's what is it it's the uh, the Bushisms calendar in the kitchen oh yeah it's like a quote but it can't but but if you look it's like a, a, it, it's a counts down to his last day so a lot of people have been very much looking forward to that so you got to wonder if maybe there would be like if that might actually be kind of a national event. Like a George Bush farewell speech. I think that that might almost be a thing we would all watch. 
I'd watch it. I mean, you know, you know. So I mean, if other presidents haven't done it, I, I, I think we might all be able to to, to to swallow one more extended exposure to that guy, just for the perverse comedy of seeing like how he bids farewell to this like broken ass country he's created. I mean, just I mean, sort of. I mean, like I'm and I'm I'm not old enough to remember seeing Nixon resign. You know, to see his farewell speech on television, but you know, but I've certainly seen it since then, and I know that it was talking to my parents. My parents, they didn't know what VCRs at that time, but my but my dad uh, had like a little Radio Shack tape recorder, and he held the microphone up to the TV, and they actually rolled audio. They have an audio tape, probably still do, of Nixon giving his farewell speech because it was such a big deal. And America was just so ready to be rid of that guy too. It was like, it, it was just like having the world's worst roommate. You know, and it's just that you never, ever, ever wanted to see that guy again. But the, but his going away party, you actually were happy for it because it was just one final exposure before you booted him out. I don't know if I've watched the uh, final speech, but I'm sure going to watch that shoe-throwing incident on YouTube for many years to come. I have to tell you, watching Anderson Cooper again just the other night, uh, like eight, probably eight, nine, ten times in a row, uh, they played that. Uh, I can't wait to see the stills of that shoe-throwing incident from the guy who had a motor drive so that we can see the expression on W's face as he saw that first shoe coming towards him, you know? I think somebody already made, like, a flash game out of it, too. If you go online, there's the, uh, like, you can already, like, you can be, like, either the, the president or the shoe thrower. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Hey, Rick. Um, Eisenhower did a farewell speech, and that was where he warned of the military-industrial complex. That's right. If you see that the first time that's, that phrase was used was it, in his farewell speech. I saw that documentary. Uh, I think it was Why We Fight, maybe was yeah, it? And that they I have think that. So. So yeah, that would, but, and, uh, but that would have been when that was like nineteen. I'm such an 59. idiot. Fifty nine. Fifty nine. Fifty nine or sixty. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and well, then did we know what uh, military industrial complex would come to mean under the Bush administration. And but. then of course Nixon, Nixon did his uh, when he resigned. And then I don't. And then LBJ had the one where he said that uh, you know if drafted I will not run, if elected I will not serve, or what he said he would not seek another term or something. Exactly. So. But we know Bush is lying because he said he gave it deep thought. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. He was he, all right there. He was he was referring to the computer program that calculates the answer to life, the universe, and everything. By the way, and now I'm getting emails from the handful of sober CBS Radio Portland employees <laughs> who want to let it know, uh, let it be known that they are not drinking. So we're calling out the sober ones. Uh, Bridget, uh, Bridget from upstairs, Webmister says, "I am sober." Says this email. <laughs> I am one of the few. I am not boozing it up in my cubicle. Uh, somebody else who I will not identify. Subject line, all caps. Party coffee with 50 exclamation marks. We've all had party coffee for a couple hours no, uh, a couple hours now. Smiley winky emoticon. I don't even want to open the door because it's just going to be a whole lot of like smashing, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of smashing crockery and whooping noises. Are you kidding? I want to get a drunk CBS employee on the on the radio now. I don't really know that there's any other kind except for Bridget apparently. Um, all right. We have a cast inbound here in a few. Mm, all right. Just wanna, all right. Just want to make sure we don't get behind. Uh, here with the news, Jim Cummings, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Bush is further quoted on this. I don't want to be, you know, kind of real emotional about this thing, but if I give it, it's going to be trying to leave behind some toss, some lessons learned, he said. In the farewell uh, speech, if the, if the farewell speech materializes, he added, it would caution that we have to be vigilant and can't let our guard down because of the terrorist threat still exists. All right. Well, there you go. There's your uh, Bush Watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, That's my bird. 
503-733-2970. Still to come today, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. James Roop will join us from Los Angeles. Um, as we get toward the bottom of the hour, we will do the glorious bastard of the week into this next break. Scott Daly will be here, and uh, we will have high concept uh, Friday. Were you just mouthing uh, something amazing? Yeah, Richie said that Sarah's down here. Really? Sort of wheeling uh, around in a staggering sort of state. Well, we'll bring her in in a few. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, filling in for laid off Portland media professional Tim Riley, Jim Cummings with the news. We have a description today of that U.S. face transplant. Uh, that's an interesting story. Only the forehead, upper eyelids, lower lip, lower teeth, and jaw are hers. The rest of her face comes from a cadaver. In a 23-hour operation, transplant surgeons have given nearly an entire new face to a woman with facial damage so severe that she could not eat her own or breathe without a hole in her windpipe. A hole in her windpipe. Windpipe hole. Those two words should not go together. Cadaver. I barely knew her. Um, So this is the... Wait, so her the original material still remaining is forehead, uh, lower lip, upper eyelids, lower teeth, and jaw. All right, but the rest, but so like the center of her face is somebody else's. A cadaver. Wow. Yeah. I and wow, so walking but, around with someone's dead face on your face. I mean, I guess it, but I mean, I mean, the alternative is like that your face is all messed up and you can't eat or whatever. I mean, I guess you That's know whatever. True. I mean, any port in a storm, I suppose. But I. The weird thing about... And we'll about, never get to see pictures, though, no, right? But see, here... But oh, see, yeah. I was... No, but I was thinking about that. See, see, Sarah, I'm so glad you and I are... Uh, we're kismet, is what we are. Um, so, I was thinking about how they won't release photos of the woman, and obviously the woman herself, at least at this point, doesn't wish to be identified. Would you? Well, probably not, because, you know, you don't want to be like a freak, and you don't want to be like... You know, like, I, for a long time, that test tube baby... Back in the 70s, they didn't, They wouldn't use, like, her real name or she had a pseudonym or something. She wouldn't be the freak. Um, which, you know, I guess I can understand. But my thing is this. So, like, her face came from some other woman, but clearly the other woman had, you know, the donor woman had a family and had you know, presumably loved ones or whatever who... I mean, and that makes it, like, weird upon weird, the idea that, like, if you, like, it's, I don't know, like, it's your sister or you're, like, whatever, and she's out, like, her face is out there kind of walking around on somebody else's head. I mean, that's, that's all kinds of weird. And also, like, is that a thing? This was in America, right, Jim? This wasn't, uh, like, yes. in Britain or something. This was in Cleveland. So it was in Cleveland. So is that, like, a form that you can, like, a box that you can check now? The I, I wish to donate, like, eyes, liver, face, or, like, other. I mean, do they have mm. to get your permission to yeah, do that? I didn't even think about that. Because if Somebody could be, yeah, because after work on, somebody could walk around with our faces. That's what I'm saying, because if you, if you don't have some sort of a box you check about, like, donating, like, you know, all. Does that mean that they just sort of carve it off and they stick it on somebody else? I mean, I don't mean to be morbid about the whole thing. It's just, it does seem like a very sort of we are living in the future now uh, kind of a thing. You know, the woman's woman's identity was not disclosed, nor was the cause of her injury or the donor's identity. Okay, so here's my final thought on this, and then we'll move on from this face transplant business, because I could just talk about this all day. That means... Oh, don't ever YouTube face off. <laughs> no, no, because that's just going to be pit bull injuries, Sarah. Um, the, here's my final thought, though. If the woman who donated the face did not do so voluntarily, in other words, if she was just some sort of a generic donor, but then she died, and the doctor said, well, look, there's this other woman who has, you know, not to make light of it, these very traumatic injuries, uh, and so we are going to take this woman's face and we're going to transplant it onto this other woman. That means that there is the possibility that, like, you know, like, if you knew this donor woman when she was alive, that, like, you're going to be on the bus someday, and you look over, and, like, there's, like, uh, you know, there's, like, your dead cousin's face 
like sitting across from you, like on somebody else, which has just got to be like a whole layer of weird you couldn't get past. So, like, like how, I know you from somewhere. How do I know? You? <laughs> There's something familiar about you, but I just can't play. You have such a familiar face. You used but to I ride just... this bus, didn't you? <laughs> All right. Uh, did you ever live near Akron? I just can't quite. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, from here to here, you look really familiar. <laughs> Not so much here. Or here. <laughs> You have the most familiar lower eyelids to upper jaw, and I just can't put my finger on it. I did you go to Vassar? Um, I can't. All right, uh, we'll re uh, we'll resume the news here in just a few minutes. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show one of our Sterling account executives and the keeper of the special coffee, Sarah Wagner. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I'm drinking the coffee. <laughs> So you're a You know what? I got recruited by a manager who who shall re- remain nameless to go across the street and uh, and and spread some Christmas cheer around the office. Well, wait, as everyone knows, manager? it's been a, a rough couple of weeks. All right, so and by Christmas cheer, you mean alcoholism? Yeah, exactly. We'd like for you to spread disease around the office and uh, and enabling, Sarah. Is that a thing you can do today? And you said, by God, I'm a go-getter. Yeah. What uh, Now, we've heard varying reports here at uh-huh. CBS Radio Portland, a proud part of the Tiffany Network, about when the boozing began. It uh, was 1130 uh, because the liquor store... Hold on for a second. It, first of all, I know it wasn't 1130 because it was before we went on the air, which is at 11. And I think I have an email from you actually saying it was at 11. Well, the liquor store doesn't open until 11. So. Like so. there isn't booze in this building to begin with. Like there isn't like there isn't a like bunch you of just alcohol. Didn't go for round two. Seriously, like Sarah doesn't have a bottle of vodka sitting by her right now, and oh, I'm not goodness. making that up. Oh, you sure do. And by the way, sure you people, Jim. thank you, Jim. You people stay the hell away from my Johnny Walker Blue, or there's going to be a skull cracking that happens. So, <laughs> so I was sitting, I was passing out the coffee, and Jim was in the kitchen. You were passing out the coffee later to be followed out. by simply passing out. It was in the green room. And I offered some to Jim, and he's like, no, thank you, but I'll take a viso. And I was like, well, your cocktail waitress will be around soon. <laughs> I don't have a viso, please. I'm like, I don't know where they are. Okay. Wait, so this was so this is, Jim, what you described to me, where somebody, and this was Sarah, this is the woman you were describing? Uh, yes, that who, is the woman. Approached you in the green <laughs> Yes, officer, that is the woman. <laughs> I can say without any certainty, it is number three. Um, if she can step forward and turn to the profile, I'll be able to identify her positively. So Sarah approached you this morning. With the quote special coffee, what time would you say that was? Well, uh, it was about 11:40, and she was cradling the hot pot as though it were special. It, well, as, it's party coffee, and you just don't let that, you know, out as, of your hand. As, I was kind of afraid because I was going back to get coffee. I'm like, what if I accidentally drink party coffee? As though it were a baby. Um, <laughs> now, so I, she was hugging it very tightly. Now I want you to know, by the way, uh, I am reading this uh, from a fellow employee who says uh, this was sent to me at one o'clock. And this email says, we've had party coffee for a couple hours now, and I've got another one. Where did, the, where did we get the 9.45 time from, Sarah? Who said that to you us? You guys made it up. Um, Hold on a second. Richie, when is the first time you were aware that there was boozing in the building? What? 
Okay, so Richie is putting it in okay, the I 10 o'clock Lisa hour. Wood, I'm going back to... Was it Lisa Wood that was on the phone with us that actually said that it was at around 9.45 that someone approached her yeah, with alcohol? Yeah, Lisa Wood threw me under the bus, P.S. She knew there was booze in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, just like you tried to pawn off the paddock thing when you were asking all those questions. She's like, no, that wasn't me. That was Sarah. <laughs> oh, I heard about that, too. I think, Sarah, you're the one who kind of sussed out the fact that it was special coffee, and that's when I kind of... Sarah's thought, got the spotty yeah. sense for, yeah. the, uh, for booze. For the, for the booze. She knows where it is. No, I seriously. Can smell it. There's booze down here. I, uh, she's sort of like a truffle hound for vodka. Um, wow, thanks. That's what I do. All right. Uh, hey, Sarah Wagner, if somebody would like to buy some advertising, what number would they call right now? Uh, 503-517-6588. And look, would, she didn't slur one. Would you, uh, would you agree that today might be a day in which they could get some special offers? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, wheedle some sort of a discount rate out of you that might be not Absolutely. be available in a couple hours? Our manager's in Hawaii, so uh, I people pretty could just call you and, I... and chat with you about, like, maybe potentially wanting to, you know, sponsor us with something and, you know, yeah, yeah. Wait, hold on. discuss You're... our interests. Your manager's your in Hawaii. And... I can't believe what I'm hearing. <laughs> get a bag of spots. So this is uh, so this is uh, so this is a completely unattended party happening upstairs as well. Well, you know, like I said, I was recruited by a manager, but you know. All right. Well, we want to identify whoever no, was it. nameless did the recruiting. Uh, and just to let you guys all know, this is theater of the mind. Sarah Wagner has, in fact, not been drinking. I feel bad for her. I don't is want that to the party line that we're all going to stick to? I'm not going to peddle that tissue of lies. I'm going to get in trouble. You She's weaving back and forth on the stool no, sitting right I'm next not. to me. I had one cup of party coffee. You can't. You can't. And you know what? And you probably took it on your lunch break. Yeah, and that's like exactly. a that's like a I, know, know, I took a road lunch. cup for my lunch. Really? I'm just so kidding, were, I did not do that. So you were just having a sort of three martini lunch like the men of old. You know? Exactly. Sort of your because like she is a businesswoman. Sort of your uh, one woman tribute to Don Draper. Exactly. All right. All right. I'm sitting next to her. I can't incriminate her. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Wagner. Thank Fantastic. you very much. All right. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to read the glorious master of the week in the break, and then we should find out what happened to Steve Kastenbaum. Okay. Who is at this point fifteen minutes late? So uh, we'll figure out, and then we'll come back uh, with uh, uh, Jim Cummings around the corner. We'll do some more news. Scott Daly's going to be here. We've got uh, Jim Rube coming up. Uh, high concept Thursday or a high concept Friday and all that. Uh, it is now time to do this. Greetings and salutations, John Bambush of Portland. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including the 24-disc collectible box, The Flintstones, the complete series, special limited edition run, 166 episodes on 24 discs, over 70 hours of Flintstones fun, including special features and a collector's edition box modeled after the Flintstones' own TV set, as well as the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to load, uh, lord it over the less fortunate. That is, after all, why God created the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, John Bambush of Portland. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Back after this on The Rick Emerson Show. At least everybody took the bus to work today. Every single solitary person is a drop of alcohol. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Here in just a, a few minutes, we'll talk to our good friend Siegfried about a film happening this Sunday you really ought to see. 
Uh, let's see what else. Uh, more of your phone calls coming up. We've got uh, High Concept Friday. We'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent uh, Jim Roop uh, later on and Steve Kastenbaum in like five seconds. It is 503-733-2970. Don't forget Miles Around Radio tomorrow, 9 to 11 on this very fine radio station and Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson uh, this coming Sunday. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Star, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Howdy. Let me ask you this, and I apologize in advance to the audience. I promised I wasn't going to do this anymore. The capital of New York is Albany? Correct. Ah, there you go. Oh, somebody sent you the answer. You didn't know that. I didn't know it. Uh, we had this whole discussion earlier. It started with Lisa. Actually, it started yesterday with Lisa when I inadvertently disparaged Virginia. And then it just opened this whole hornet's nest of, of, of anger. Um... But we were we had this sort of like long segment today. We were talking about state capitals, which is even less interesting than I'm making it sound. I mean, like as dull as it sounds now, it was like nine times as dull when we actually did it. But I was noting how like state capitals are almost never the most important city in a state ever. I mean, never. No, they, they were created to to have a second like economic uh, growth center and, in a state. Usually, and, right? and that's but that see that never comes to pass. That never works. Uh, when you go to any state and you go like, where's the capital? And they take you, and it's always just some dirt town with like a paper mulching plant as like the biggest employer. Um, what, can you think right now, off the top of your head, of any state where the capital is in fact also the biggest, most thriving city? Oh, offhand, no. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, probably, uh, you know, if, if I gave it some thought, uh, I could come up with one. Please, but please, please don't give it any thought. It's okay. not really worth it. All right, um, and so forth. Well, let's talk. I have no segue here, so we're just going to go kachunk and go into this business of Caroline Kennedy. I don't even really understand how all of this came to pass because I mean, I'm certainly aware that Caroline Kennedy existed. And I guess she has done, like, stuff. Like, she's not just a Kennedy. But did it seem like she just sort of came out of nowhere, uh, you know, for Hillary Clinton's Senate seat? Like, she just sort of emerged from the mist for this? Well, you know what happened? I mean, here in New York for the last couple of years, she started to appear more often uh, in the public eye because she was appointed to a position within the school system here where she became uh, the head of this office that went out and raised funds for the school system from the corporate world. So, uh, so she started to uh, become a, a personality in the in the public eye for a while here, and then uh, she suddenly was inspired during the Barack Obama uh, uh, presidential campaign, and and started making public appearances during that. And I guess she feels so inspired, or at least she said she's been inspired by that so much. So that, like many other people, she wants to contribute, and this is how she wants to do it. And so, I mean, I don't really even understand how this how this process um, really really works in terms of, I mean, because I know that there's this sort of there's the governor, you know, David Patterson, who's got there's this sort of weird delicate dance that kind of goes on uh, between between these these two parties, right? Or between you know between Carolyn Kennedy and David Patterson about how this sort of thing kind of gets engineered. What right. is the what is the general uh, tone of this? The general you know the general told both like with just on the on the street and in sort of government about whether this is going to come together and how. Well, first of all, he doesn't want to uh, say anybody's name until Hillary Clinton has been confirmed. You know, if in uh, for the position of Secretary of State, he really doesn't want to jump the gun on this. So, uh, part, partially uh, out of respect, and partially in case there's any problems with their confirmation he uh, hearings. But you know, there, there probably won't be. But 
but still, uh, there are about a half a dozen other qualified people for this spot, and then there's people like Fran Drescher who have publicly come out and said they want to be senator too. Seriously, but, I would, I would, I would, you know, if it were up to me, I would vote for her like now, immediately, at this very moment, I would vote for Fran Drescher for senate. How come? Because. As I, I actually was, uh, we had somebody here the other day. We we've been, we have this sort of uh, thing we're doing. I think I mentioned it to you. We have a series of other laid off Portland media folks filling in for Tim Riley, who was laid off. And we had this woman named Heidi Tauber on the show the other day. And Heidi Tauber is a very well respected Portland uh, radio broadcaster for many decades. And it was most recently on this uh, this crosstown radio station that is you know it's this very progressive political station, whatever. We were having this kind of a variation of the same discussion, and I said, same thing. I said, I would vote for Fran Drescher in a heartbeat, and she said, why? And I said, because the American political system is just so irretrievably broken and corrupt and pointless that at this point, it really is a thing you got to just it's – like it's like when they say about the lottery, like, not for investment purposes, for entertainment use only. That's how I feel about, the, uh, about, uh, about our elected leaders most of the time right now, that – Really, it is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not invest any actual uh, personal stake or worth or morality or beliefs or hopes in your elected leaders. So I'm for whatever makes things uh, funnier at this point, and Fran Drescher would certainly accomplish that. Plus, here's the thing that most people don't recognize because they can't get past that. Fran Drescher is really hot, and I don't think enough people really appreciate that fact. They kind of Fran Drescher is sort of like uh, Rosie Perez in that regard. Rosie Perez is a really, uh, really hot woman, but it, a lot of times people just can't get past the fact that she sounds like a Muppet when she talks. And so it becomes this whole, you know, like, you gotta, like, you, you know, where you have to kind of turn the mute on with that girl. Um, so anyway, uh, I would vote for Friend Drescher, but regrettably it's, it's not up to me. Anyway. And I know yeah, well, one, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, that's the funny thing. You mentioned the word vote, and, uh, it's really just a selection process on the governor's part, but, uh, all of a sudden, uh, Caroline Kennedy has been touring the state and talking to leaders, and she says she's trying to learn about the issues that are affecting them most and, and how she can help them in Washington. Uh, and it's, it's very reminiscent of the listening tour Hillary Clinton did in the state before she ran for the Senate here. Um, I have this uh, one other observation to make about this whole thing, which is that, you know, so you've got this space opening up for, Senate, uh, for Hillary Clinton's Senate seat because, of course, Hillary is – you know, she has to be confirmed, but it is more than likely going to end up being Secretary of State. So you've got Bill Clinton, who was president twice, Hillary Clinton, who's a senator, now going to be Secretary of State. And then, of course, you've got her slot probably, you know, or possibly going to be filled by Carolyn Kennedy. And, of course, you know, the Kennedys, everybody kind of knows the deal there. It does make you wonder if on the right, like on sort of the conservative uh, side of America, if they just sit there and just wail and just gnash their teeth that they can't quite get their own family dynasties going. You know what I mean? And they thought they were going to do it with the Bushes, and then that just, man, that you know, it, that just sort of imploded like the kingdom. I mean, that just didn't really work out. It really did. Yeah, it exploded on them. And it's really funny. Didn't Joy Behar say the other day, and she got criticized for this uh, on The View, she made some remarks about uh, that, that, that she was tired of, uh, you know, these political dynasties, the Clintons, the Kennedys, the Bushes, and, and then why she did not want Caroline Kennedy to be senator, and she took some heat for that or something. Yeah, Joy Behar, by the way, is another woman uh, that I find that I find kind of strangely hot. I just wish that she wouldn't talk. And I don't, and, and I don't mean like talk. I don't mean that I wish she would talk less or talk about something else. I just wish she would be completely silent. Uh, and so uh, just there's something about it's like the uh, everybody says timber, but it's pronounced timbre. The timbre of her voice. There's just something about that that it's like I can feel it etching glass every time she opens her mouth. 
But, uh, well, in any maybe, event. well, maybe we can arrange for both uh, Fran Drescher and Joy Behar to be the senators of New York State. Maybe well, we can give Chuck Schumer some more important position and, and then make both of them our senators. That's what I'm talking about. And I know that, just on one final note here, I know that for this story, I know that you were you actually uh, you talked to Al Sharpton about this, and it, it may be. I mean, and I only kind of understand. And it may be difficult for people who aren't uh, who don't live in New York to sort of understand why Al Sharpton seems to pop up in so many stories that don't seem to directly involve him. Like he, <laughs> he like if, if, if when you work in radio, there's this. Uh, and uh, let me know if you're under the gun time wise here. No, I'm good. There is this uh, publication that they put out called the Radio and TV Interview Report, and the Radio and TV Interview Report is this. Uh, it's like this free magazine that they kind. Of, it's like a catalog it, uh, that they send out to talk show hosts and DJs and producers and guest bookers, mm-hmm. and it's comes out I don't know like once a month, and it's like 50 pages of people who have written books or who have websites they want to push or have products they're selling, and they are available as guests on the show because they got something to pitch. And it, it, it really is just, it's a tool for people who have overslept and gotten to work late and don't have anything prepared for the show because every single guest says, available as a last-minute phoner or fill-in guest. Oh, funny. Meaning, like, if you, you know, like, if, you know, if you were, if you just spent last night drunk in a ditch somewhere and you have nothing put together for your talk show today, you can open up the radio TV interview reports to pay, to any random page, and there's going to be some guest there that is willing to come on and help you, like, kill time. And Al Sharpton sort of seems like that in terms of East Coast politics occasionally. It's like, whatever the story is, it's like, Al Sharpton is available as a last-minute interview. Well, for some reason, you have to sit down and meet with Al Sharpton now when you're running for a major uh, office uh, these days, because that's what she did. She sat down and, and had a, a lunch meeting with him to uh, learn from him what are the issues that people he speaks for are, are facing. And they sat down and they had lunch at Sylvia's Restaurant in Harlem at the same table that uh, Barack Obama did the same thing with Al Sharpton at. So. Yeah, there's this thing about you, you You suddenly have to meet with Al Sharpton when you come through New York uh, on the campaign trail. All right. Hey, are you uh, on Monday, sir? Uh, I had to think about that for a sec. Yes, I am here. All right. So we will be here Monday, and I will say in advance so the cat calls can begin uh, that we're going to be taking some time off next week. Just waiting for everybody in the audience to sort of go, come on! Uh, there you go. Uh, we'll be here but we'll be here Monday. But we will be here Monday. So, so Monday's uh, the, la- the last day before you take off for the holiday. Well, it's sort of a weird. I mean, so just not that. Every, I mean, I'll put this on my website. But uh, so Sarah's going to be gone the bulk of next week, every day but Monday, right? You're yep. taking off Monday night. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, obviously next Thursday and Friday are Christmas Day and the day after. Uh, where and I'll get to be in lovely Provo, Utah, for that. For Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, this sounds like one of those. Un- this sounds like one of those voicemails when you call a business and they go, "Our operating hours are Monday through Friday, seven to two, except on Wednesdays and alternate Thursdays when we're closed from one to five personal time." Um, I'll be here Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be playing some best of stuff, but I'll be down, kind of popping onto the show and sort of, you know, on on the mic every now and again, you know, a couple times an hour, sort of, uh, you know, sort of introducing the best of segment. So I'll be kind of live. You can do a time and weather check. Exactly. That's exactly. That's that's what it is. Uh, so, but the point is, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Have a uh, have a fantastic weekend and uh, be safe and dry and warm and all that. And we will talk to you next week, sir. Speak to you guys then. So all long. right. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Wow. It's like almost two o'clock. All right. Uh, well, before we do that, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Richie Kinnar, uh our good friend uh, Siegfried, uh, be uh, shown into the studio. That'll be ever so. Uh, 
Uh, to be ever so zinky, as Dwayne Crampton would say. Zinky? It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, we'll talk to a senior radio correspondent, Jim Roop, about the psychics and the economy. We'll do uh, High Concept Friday. And uh, we'll have more news with uh, Jim Cummings, who is filling in for the late off Tim Riley. Uh, just a, a skosh. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, Siegfried, the man, uh, the legend, the icon. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. All right. Now, if you were, if you recognize uh, Siegfried's name or voice, it's because you uh, are deeply entrenched in the Portland film community. And every time there is any sort of fantastic filming happening, you sort of come by to uh, let us know about it. And you filmed the Timbers games as well. And you filmed the Timbers games. And you played the game of life. Like the actual board game with Dakota Fanning. Yeah, well. And you lit Jennifer so Aniston. He has, a, he has a much cooler life than all of us. Really? You're like the coolest person in this room. Um, no. Okay, now let's go on the list here. Did you did you light Jennifer Aniston? Uh, yes. Did you play a board game next door with Dakota Fanning? Yes. Do you film the Timbers games? Uh, yeah. All right. You, you really are way cooler yeah. than any of us could hope to be. So, okay. Uh, but you also uh, are. You always come on and you do a really good. Uh, you really you do you do well by the folks at the Hollywood Theater and the Grindhouse Film Festival because you are a big advocate for that kind of film. And I have yeah. to say, even though people sort of name check Grindhouse movies or Grindhouse cinema, you know, I think a lot of people, I myself, didn't even really know what it was and didn't know the kind of a definition of it until you and I started talking about it several years ago. And I went, oh, I've seen crap films like that. They're great. <laughs> So, but there's another one coming up this weekend. Yes, it's uh, it's one of our favorites, our Christmas uh, movie of uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. <gasps> which is like, awesome. which is great. I got all of this stuff to say about Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I will confine my comments to these, because otherwise it's just going to become the whole rest of the show. So my, uh, Sarah just did the greatest thing, by the way. This is why I love Sarah and why she's the perfect person to produce the show. As I just started to ramp up in my head to talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night, Sarah looked over at me, and she took her hands, and she put her hands apart as though she was showing how big a fish she had once caught, and she kind of put them down on the counter, and she mouthed at me, let's stay on track, <laughs> which I really do need. Um, and I haven't even had the special coffee today. So, But in high school, my friends and I, uh, like a lot of dudes, and it is primarily a dude thing, my friends and I would get together in high school on a Friday or Saturday, and we would go to the local kind of cheesy discount video rental place. Mm -hmm. And we would just buy, or we would, we would rent like five or six just terrible uh, horror films, usually just based on the cover. Just based on the cover and what was on the front and, like, you know, kind of some vague description on the back. Uh, and then we would spend kind of all weekend watching those. And and just, like, the cheesier and tawdrier, the better. And I remember us renting two films that we actually couldn't get through the first time because it was it, we deemed it to be too effed up to watch. One was I Spit on Your Grave. Um, Great film. And I and I got to tell you, it took to like the third time before we were able to get through I Spit on Your Grave. Because even by our 14-year-old boy standards, it was like so unbelievably warped that we couldn't bring ourselves to watch it. It just, watching I Spit on Your Grave, it just felt like something inside of me was just dying and rotting away. I found a worse movie than that uh, last night. I ac accidentally watched uh, Can't Stop the Music. Oh, which, <laughs> with Bruce Jenner oh and my, the Village People. Oh, my Lord. And, uh, yeah, it was it was worse than watching an Al Zarkari video. It was it was the worst. It was a beheading video. It was, it, was, it was awful. Can't Stop the Music, by the way, is a musical starring the Village People and Olympian Bruce Jenner. And it was produced by Alan Carr, who made Grease, yes, by the way. Yes, it was, was kind of like his next feature after Grease. And then... 
It had Steve Gutenberg in it and uh, and oh Bruce Jenner and of course the Village People, yeah. which have no purpose in it whatsoever. No, it's a completely pointless film. And oh, I actually had to like walk out of my house because it was just <laughs> it was so bad. Bad. I like had to walk out in the snow and just like shake my head. Like I could not believe that. It's like when someone is cooking oh. liver and you kind of just have to get outside for a, you just let your head clear. Yeah, I just I had to like take a break and like <laughs> I, I wish it was a smoking break because I, I don't but I don't even smoke and I was just like I, it was. It was awful. So there was two movies that it took us several viewings Ugh. to get through. One was I Spit on Your Grave, which Storm Large is a big fan of, to nobody's surprise. But the other movie we rented, and I must have been, again, maybe 14, 15, we would rent all of these bad, cheesy films, and we'd go over to some, you know, to one of our houses, and we'd, you know, kind of stay up all night and get all, uh, you know, like get all uh, hopped up on, like, red vines or whatever, was Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I have just the clearest memory of putting in this movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And th- first of all, ha- sir, have you ever seen Silent Night, Deadly Night? I don't think I have. It's oh, one of those so movies I've heard of for years, and I've just have never seen it. It's got the greatest. Uh, it's got the greatest box art too, like the, the the poster art for the for the movie. Which again, back in the day, kids, there was no like you couldn't go online and watch the trailer. Like there wasn't any Harry Knowles to tell you what a movie was about. Like you, you usually had never heard of these movies. There was nowhere to look them up. There wasn't any internet movie database. Like, you would just see all of these weird movies on, like, the bottom two shelves at the video store, and you just had no idea what they were about. It was like buying a video game in the pre-internet era. And the poster was great. It had, like, Santa, uh, like, getting down a chimney. But With an axe. axe yeah. Like, hanging out. And it's the, it really, oh, to, this, to this day, it's just a fantastic piece of yeah. art. And it's a chimney, snow-covered roof, Santa's arm in the suit, clutching an axe. And it just says, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I forget what the tagline is. Oh, it, I, uh, But we put in this movie. Coming this Christmas. We, we, we put it in, we hit play on the VCR, and we're all kind of sitting there just being nerdy 14-year-olds. And the movie starts, and I won't give anything about the movie away. I'm not going to give any spoilers about it. I'll just say that about nine minutes in, we were like, oh, dude. I don't think we can watch this. We got to turn this off. I'm feeling really weird. Yeah, what's great about it is that like there's like a whole there's probably the best montage sequence out of all movies ever. Um, it's all and uh, majority of the movie takes place in this kind of like 1980s style uh, toy store. So you see like little um, Millennium Falcons in the background and and uh, just you know toys from yeah. your childhood and just everything else just completely wrong yeah and it's just that there's like this happy montage i have to i'm kind of giving it away but it's just great and then also there's the grandfather sequence which is at the beginning and the grandfather probably does the most chilling uh like like telling of of like of just why santa claus is bad and if you if yeah just to a little child and it's it's just hilarious. So uh, that's going to be this coming Sunday at the Hollywood Theater? This Sunday um, at the Hollywood Theater, uh, 7 o'clock. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's just a great film if you're, you know, you just, you know, you're you're done with church and uh, you're lighting the last nativity candle and you just want to come see a great film or you've been you've been laid off from CBS or, you know, anything like that. You want to take out your rage. This is a great film for you. This is a nonviolent way to uh, exactly. exercise those feelings of anger. And we, this is our fourth year doing it, and it's like this year also um, we give out uh, one axe a- after the show. 
after the show. Wait, let me understand What's this. What's wrong with you? So you're going to be showing a room full of probably drunken people, a movie. Drunk, uh, angry, laid off people. Filled yeah. with violence, and at the end, one of them wins an axe. Well, yeah, you, you so win So there will, in fact, raffle. be one person in a theater filled with other people, and you're going to be giving them an axe. Yeah, but uh, after the movie, because we don't want to not... not you don't want to do it beforehand. That would yeah, be weird. That'd be uh, wrong. Okay. Uh, so this coming Sunday night, 7 p.m., the Hollywood Theater. Yes. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, a film you really ought to go see. And you know what? I don't think Punished. I, I don't think I have seen Silent Night, Deadly Night since I was probably 20. So it's oh. probably been a decade and a half. So I wonder if it's it can't be nearly as weird as I remember it being. No, it's 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 that weird. It's really bad. The, the, the pog, there's a toboggan sequence that is. I I love I I get these kind of like uh like girl giggles like every time I like see that sequence I just kind of <laughs> <laughs> like oh man because it is so no one will be yeah. seated during the controversial so toboggan yes. sequence but it's hilarious it's a great film to watch with a whole bunch of people get really drunk kind of march through the snow afterwards after the movie it's it's uh it's a great way it's it's better than it's a wonderful life it's, All right. Ladies like and gentlemen, uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, coming up this Sunday night, 7 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater. Siegfried, as always, thank, thank you. you. Give Dakota my love. Okay. All right, All right. there you go. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Sarah Dillon, what say you? Well, let's take a break, then we'll do a short up. stint with uh, Jim Roop, and then let's do some news with Jim. All right, we'll do take a break. Okay. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk to senior radio correspondent Jim Roop, uh, and then filling in for late off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Jim Cummings will have more news for us. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio and uh, High Concept. Drunk, by the way. Really? Was he drunk when he got here? Bloody Marys. I guess he said three huge Bloody Marys. But I mean, like elsewhere or here? Elsewhere. So they haven't been branching out upstairs into I different forms of liquor. He'll probably have a couple of special calls. That's great. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Is it snowing or crazy or drunk where you are? Uh, coming up later on in the program, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio will be joining us. And we'll also do a high concept Thursday. Uh, also more news from uh, late-off Portland media professional Jim Cummings, who is filling in for Tim Riley today. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, from Los Angeles... CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you? I am very well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you uh, as well, my friend. Big uh, plans for your weekend? I got a daughter who's turning 16. So, really, this is the beginning of the worst few years of your life. Yeah, I'm cleaning out the closet to keep her in there. Yeah. I, uh, might I suggest building a moat? That's a good idea. You know, or maybe like one of those things that they kept... I was thinking landmines, but I like moat better because you can negotiate or... a landmine. Or what is that thing that they built? Like one of those, uh, you know, like that, that, the, that Tower of London thing or whatever, that place that they, uh, you know, it's like one of those prisons that's like, like a turret that's isolated off from the rest of the house. So. Oh, yeah, the Rapunzel thing. Yeah. Now, is she... Uh, now, I forget how it is in California. Can she drive? Uh, she has taken her learner's permit. Ah, the learner's yeah. permit. And that means that one of you has got to be in the car with her, right? Uh, right now, yeah. But yeah. see, I, I have a son who drives, um, and he's allowed to drive her around. So I don't all right. To... I was gonna say because otherwise, that's like a special. That's a special kind of terror, you know. 
uh, being in the car with somebody who just got their learner's permit. Yeah, but see, for me, that's fun. I, I don't mind that. You know, I'm not a panicky kind of person. In fact, if she's going to hit something, I start laughing. So, <laughs> you know. police, police say they can't explain why the man was cackling in gales of comedic <laughs> laughter as they slammed into a cement truck. Because the funnest thing is to look at the face because they know, they register that, that this is wrong, yet they continue to move forward. It's the funniest thing ever. So I just love it. I mean, my son, when he was doing it, he, he rear-ended a car, and as he had his foot on the gas, and he was hitting the back of this car. He was looking like, what the hell? Like, no, no, like, no. What, what is going on? I don't know what's happening. I will well, take your foot off the gas, you moron. I hadn't really thought about it, but, you know, in, in a larger sense, that is kind of like, that is sort of a microcosm for being a teenager in general, right? Where, like, you just, you have no idea why you're doing half the things you're doing. I mean, you know what I mean? And it's like you don't. You know, and I mean, everybody has you know, the, the, the science class, but your body will be going through a lot of changes. But I mean, apart from like the obvious ones, also, you're just like gangly and just like you're tripping over stuff and just like, especially, I don't know how it is for, I don't know what it's like for a girl, but you know, for guys, it's like, like suddenly you're like six inches taller one day and it's like you're whacking your head into things and you're trying to get through a door and you end up falling down a flight of stairs and you just can't quite get all the parts of your body to work in concert with one another. And so it is with, with driving a car. So he, I'll tell you this. He rear-ended a car when my dad was teaching me how to drive, and it was in a stick shift. It was in a Jeep uh, that had a stick shift. It was a four-speed Jeep Renegade, I believe. And I actually, and I to this day, I rue the fact you never think to photograph these things at the time because at the time you're at the time you're just horrified. You're just like, ah, oh, god damn it, really. Uh, I wish I had even saved the check that we had to write to pay for this. My dad, when I was about 15 and a half, whatever the, whatever the age was in Washington, teaching me to drive a stick shift, and I drove over a gasoline pump at a gas station. And I didn't tear it, like, completely out of the ground, because they got the big tube or whatever that goes to the gas reservoir, but, but I tore it to the point that it was, like, leaning like the Tower of Pisa. I mean, and, but it was the same thing. It's like we've been driving all day in the stick shift. And, you know, we're getting like a quarter of a tank. My dad's like, well, well, boy, we ought to go fill this up. You know, get let's let's move it on. I'm like, All right. He's like, OK, we we did pull it into the, the, the shell station or whatever. And and it's, you know, you know, the whole the, the whole thing about getting the gas and the clutch and the brake and the, whatever to work together. It's all it's a little weird. And as I'm, I'm easing up and I'm doing that thing of like, you know, the thing when you're trying to drive a stick shift and the car kind of goes and like jerks forward and little sort of like jumps like bop. Bump. And I'm and it, and, it, and he's doing the thing where he's going like slow down, stop, no, 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 break, no, 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 push in the car, no, no. And I'm hearing him like in my head. I can hear my dad saying, like push in the clutch, hit the brake, take your foot off, like stop. <laughs> but it's like I can't quite get the message to my feet. You know, know what I mean? Yeah. And it's sort of like you'll hear people talk about people who've suffered some sort of an injury or maybe like a spinal problem. They'll talk about like. They're like, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm thinking I should, my toes should wiggle. I just can't make them do it. That, it was like that, but temporary for me. And, and I can, in my head, even now, I can close my eyes and it unfolds like a tiny little, uh, miniature horror film in my memory where it's me just taking my foot off the clutch while leaving the gas pressed in, lurching forward in the Jeep. And the next thing I know, the Jeep is hitting a gas pump and knocking the gas pump like five feet to the left. And then the poor guy who owns the gas station runs out because he's never had to do this before, and he has to figure out how to break the glass and press that big red, like, <laughs> shut-off button so that the whole place doesn't flood with gasoline and explode. 
It's all very, you know, and then we had to write a check. It was like, even in, this is like 19, uh, I don't know, whatever. This was like the 80s dollars. It was $492, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I was not like the most popular guy around my house. Oh, there is a definite disconnect between what comes out of my mouth into their ears through their head and into whatever extremity is supposed to move. Right. There is a definite disconnect there. But it's really funny. Uh, my wife, even. I- I'm driving with my wife one day, and, and I-, I had to work or something, so I'm working my BlackBerry and stuff, and she she's driving. It was in CNN Radio Mobile One. Right. And she pulled into uh, a-, a drive-thru to get something to eat. And I hear this. And I said, what is that? She goes, I hit a wall. I said, then why are you continuing to go? <laughs> That's exactly how I said it. And she, and she went, what? <laughs> I said, why are you still moving? <laughs> oh, yes. And it's all, it's, at some point, you got to see this, because next time in California, just so you can see this car, all the way down the side, wow. there's a big scrape where she hit the wall, knew it, and just kept on going. Oh, and I'm looking at it saying, why are you continuing to move forward? <laughs> that's, and there's just really no answer, right? Yeah, she goes, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, okay. That's excellent. Well, she didn't have to open the car door to give the change to the one lady in the window. That's for damn sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, I love it. Oh. I mean, I absolutely love teaching my kids how to drive. And driving with my wife, I just love it because it's it's a comedy routine waiting to happen. You know, and I and I don't have uh, I don't have kids, uh, but uh, you know, and I, I'm I'm not the I'm not really cut out. I don't have the father gene, but I uh, I will say that there are times when I sort of can recognize some of the things that people like about being parents. And and, and my sister actually, who has uh, three kids, and this is when they were much younger. I remember I was talking to my sister one time. And I said something. One of the one of my nieces or one of my or one of my nephews had done something that was kind of funny. And I mentioned it to their mom, my sister. And I said, "Oh yeah, what's his name? Did something that was pretty funny." And she said, "Oh God," she said, "It's it's like having a miniature comedy troupe in your house all the time." <laughs> That's true. And she said, "For good and bad, it's like having a tiny little uh, like a sitcom unfolding in front of your eyes for like 18 years." You know, it's like the world's most expensive pay-per-view sitcom is how she described having oh, kids. I, I tell you, God is my witness. There isn't one evening I'm not laughing my ass off. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is really fun. Ugh, all right. Um, so we, touched, we, we touched on this yesterday, and I, I actually I have to be, to be honest. I, I failed you. I haven't actually listened to the produced piece. I know it's at CN Radio. I just haven't listened to it yet. But, so there's business of you looking for a psychic or whatever. And I know that you said it took forever to find anybody who would even talk to you, and you finally just had to do it over the phone. Yeah, I, have, I found one who would talk on the phone. And, you know, she said some interesting things. Uh, the mo- and, you know, she, uh, and I, I said to her, and you're comfortable with giving people this kind of advice, you know, telling people whether they should leave their job or to hang on to their job or get rid of the spouse. Right. You know, she, she said, and she said, well, I, I, I always say I'm not, a, I'm not always 100% accurate. <laughs> You know, oh, okay, that's good to know. But then she also said, you got to take these things on face value. You cannot take advice from anyone, whether it's a psychic or a financial advisor, and think everything's going to be fine. There has to be some uh, responsibility on the client's part to either make the change, not make the change, to do whatever they're going to do. And people are turning to psychics and astrologers more so than this. And I've spoken to many of them, and all of them say the same thing. We, they have more clients. And they have more readings with their current clients because people want to know that everything's going to be okay. That there's this comfort level right. with the psychics that your therapist or that your financial guy doesn't have with you. 
and it, and it really is more of a, uh, in my opinion, kind of a, a bartender drinker type of situation than anything else. Well, you know, and it's interesting because it's like when um, it's like when you're wearing uh, I don't know, like clothes, or you get a haircut or something, and you're pretty sure that it that it's bad. You're pretty sure your new haircut makes you look like a tool, and. And so you will ask people, go like, hey, what do you think of this haircut? And they'll go, yeah, I don't know. And you'll kind of keep asking people, or you'll go to the person you know will give you the compliment. No, 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 it looks fine. And you'll go, really? And that person suddenly, yeah. their opinion carries so much more weight. The person who says the news you wanted to hear. Right. So. Yeah. And, and there are so many people, uh, she says, you know, that, that are in the same situation, that their 401Ks in the crapper, or they just lost a job, or their home's in foreclosure, or maybe all three. And they and they're just looking for right. someone to tell them, look, don't worry, you know, because we're all we're all being told it's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, my gosh, if my 401k's in the crapper, my house is about gone and my job's gone, how much worse can it get? Really, I mean, unless, unless I walk out in front of a bus, unless you wake up and one of your uh, kidneys has been stolen, you know, you know. So the people are just clamoring for anything. Uh, you know, and so there's a little boon in, in the uh, in the world of the psychic. As we wrap this up, my final suggestion to you, uh, because I'm just overflowing with ideas lately. You, Jim Roop, as a sidebar to this, you ought to spend a couple of days working as a phone psychic. Oh, I could do that. That's there you go. There you do. Work as a phone psychic, and then just write about what people are seeking advice on from your perspective as a journalist. That would be a lot of fun. All right, there you go. Um, See? Wait a minute, i got to add that to this list. i got the Rick Emerson list here of things, of the to-do list. Probably more of a scroll at this point. Absolutely. All right. Have a good weekend, my friend. Stay safe. We'll talk and to you, you soon. Too. All right, there you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Jim Cummings. How are you? I'm doing great, Rick. Thanks ah. so much for having me in today. It's been a lot of fun. Not at all. It's been, uh, it's been, uh, it's just busy. It's already 2.15. Is it already 2.15? Yep. Jesus, it's 2.15. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley at the news desk, Jim Brown. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Okay, I'm going to take this one kind of slow, so follow along, if you will. The mother of Sarah Palin's daughter's boyfriend has been arrested in Anchorage, Alaska. Alaska State Troopers, that in and of itself is a scary thought, have arrested the mother of Bristol Palin's boyfriend on drug charges. Sherry L. Johnston was arrested Thursday after troopers served a search warrant on the Wasilla home of the Johnston family. The 42-year-old Johnston has been charged with six felony drug counts. Troopers did not identify the drug involved in a brief mention of the agency's website. I'm so confused. Okay, so let's, Sarah, help me out with this. This so is remember her boyfriend. Is this the up? knocked up girl? Yes. Yeah. This is her boyfriend. What's his name again? Levi. Uh, his Levi name, Johnson. Uh, actually, is that Levi? Is that him? Because he was the one that was at the um, Levi. Was, yes. Yeah, he was at the convention, looking terrified, like, mm. oh god, <laughs> no kidding. When I, I banged really this girl, I didn't realize I was going to be on TV. Yeah. Oh Jesus! It's just his mother that did this. Yeah, and now I'm going to have a baby. And so, yeah, but you know what's interesting is like no one has done any follow up on that. Like, is that like are they still getting married? Oh heck no. <laughs> Well done. He's Look 18. at that. Alley oop, baby. That was yeah. like a that was like a little pick and roll we oh. just did. Oh yeah. It's like stopping them alone right there. Yeah. Johnston oh. is the mother of eighteen year old Levi Johnston. Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, the GOP nominee for vice president, announced in September that her eighteen year old daughter Bristol was pregnant and Johnston was the father. Sherry Johnston was released from jail. Sherry. 
Yeah, Sherry. Sherry Johnston was released from jail in Palmer on $5,000 bail on six felony drug count. But they're not identifying the drug. Well, no, but a felony drug count, you know. That's a bad, yeah, that's, that's a bad, that's well, not the Advil. That's an Alaska kind of drug. Hi, you're on the, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, hey, Rick, I was calling to see if you guys were familiar with a Christmas special from the 70s called The Little Match Girl with Sarah Jessica Parker. The Little Match Girl with Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Dillon? No, I am not familiar. Uh, Jim Cummings, The Little Match Girl with no, Sarah Jessica Parker. No, no. no, I got nothing. What is it, sir? Well, it was this horribly dark spot in my soul. I, I seem to be the only person I remember seeing it. I mean, are you familiar with the classic Hans Christian Andersen tale of The Little Match Girl? No, I'm not. It's, it's a, I guess it's Walton tale of a little girl who goes out and she tries to sell matches, and this was actually set in a modern day city. So is it a cartoon or a real movie? No, live action. Okay. I guess Sarah did this when, before she was, did a little orphan Annie. It's like one of her first things, according to IMDb. So it's a little girl who is trying to sell matches like at the holidays? Yeah, at the holidays. It's Christmas Eve. She's on a busy street corner in the city, and you, she flashes back, and then, remember, I've only seen this once, and there's only vague memories I have. She flashes back to her abusive father and is like, you can't come home until you sell all of your matches. Wow. That sounds like a real pick-me-up. Oh, it's great. Yeah, this is the thing. So I'm watching this as a little eight-year-old thinking, oh, boy, you know, holiday Christmas special. You know, I'm thinking, like, you know, Visions of Peanuts and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And then, so she, of course, you know, everyone's just passing her by. She goes, matches, matches. And somehow or another, she ends up in the front of a um, suburban house. And it's, you know, it's snowing, of course. And then she's like... In front of this picture frame window, you can see the family having perfect, perfect, you know, Christmas. And even as a little boy, you know, all she had to do was just knock on the window or knock on the door, and they let her in. Instead, she decides to stay out there, and she starts lighting matches to stay warm. This and is the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, this is true. Yeah, it's probably like I'm... Please tell me that it ends with her getting cancer and then being hit by a car. No, it ends up with the family opening the door the next morning and finding a little frozen dead girl on the doorstep. I'm not kidding. <laughs> wow. I uh, I, I have to tell you, I coming. didn't really see it going. I was making that joke about the cancer. I didn't. Uh... And then that's the end? Like That's the end. And that's why I'll be like, I've been trying to find a copy of it. If you've why? Have why have you been trying to find a copy of it? Because I want to exercise this dark spot for my soul. I mean, it was horrible. Is... I mean, I saw this as an eight-year-old. I'm 38 now, and I still is, have Is this like a thing? Oh, let me ask this. Is this like where you want to go back and watch it? Is this like how, like, in the therapist's office, when you've had some horrible incident in your past, therapists will have you, like, role-play it again so you can, you know, deal with it as an adult and then get past it? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and it seems like, do I, is, did I really remember it how I think I remember it? But from, and there's so, and even in the in, day of the Internet, there's so little info about it. It's like... All right, I'm going to write a, uh, I'm going to write a country song about the little match girl this weekend. We'll play it on Monday. Okay. All right, let me know if you track it down, sir. But yeah, I was going to ask um, the guy from um, Film Radio. Maybe he's heard of it. I'll ask Scott Daly. All right, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Have a good weekend. The little match girl. Jesus. All right, with the news, here's Jim Cummings. Let's do a Britney watch. Here's your Britney watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Jim Cummings with your Britney Watch. 
Britney Spears, uh, the resurging uh, popularity of Britney Spears is uh, causing her to be in the news again today. Uh, the story today is that she's beating, she is dating. Beating. Yeah, yeah, dating. <laughs> I guess really could go either way with her. <laughs> could be, especially when you find out who this is. She's dating uh, good Charlotte rocker, wait for it, Benji Madden. Now, wait a minute. I thought Benji Madden was no, with the... Uh, Paris Hilton. Yeah, they were, they yeah. were, like, engaged just, and stuff. Just wait, who's the... Well, Benji Madden is the dude who wears that ska boy hat. Wow, like, why do you a... know that? Well, you know, uh, he's in, who he's doesn't love ska? <laughs> well, okay, he's, a, he's the fatter Madden. Well, but I thought, oh, is one of them married to Nicole Richie? No, not married, mm. but they had the baby. But that's Joel... That's Joel, Joel Madden. Madden. Yes. Even though the twins, yeah, Joel's the hotter one, and then she's kind of the squishy other brother. I remember, okay, now, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the song at this point, but they had that album... You know, whatever their break was, the album, Sarah, what was the breakthrough album for? It was like the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yes. That was that album. Do you remember when their follow-up record came out and it was the video that had them walking through the streets of some city, but they would cut to the band playing in a house? Mm-hmm. And there was the one band, the one brother who looked all normal, and the other brother had like that scarf or the, like the, the... That was him. That's the fat one. The, the handkerchief. But it was like he was going to rob a bank with a handkerchief. Like he was trying to cover the jowls. But it was this guy. Is that Benji? That's the, the fat guy. one. Oh, yeah. Oh, this guy is. It, wow. the, no, the best thing about it is it was like you see in the old western where the guy robs a bank with a handkerchief around his mouth, but the handkerchief was just tied around his chin, covering his neck. Oh. It was so great. It was like, don't look at my waddle. Yeah. No, this guy. If, to look at this picture, if this guy were not in good Charlotte, he would definitely be spray painting graffiti on the side of a boxcar. I mean, and he's. Maybe he still does. Well done, Jim, well done, Jim Cummings. And now, but now he's getting it on with Britney Spears. Well, yeah, they've dated quite a few times actually, and uh, he seems to be enjoying it. And she's and, and her spies say that yeah, Britney likes Benji too. But this is the weird part. This is the weird part. Guess who set them up? Sarah, do you know? No, I don't know. I didn't. Oh, okay, no idea. This, this is killer. Britney's old man, Jamie Spears, set them up. In fact, he wrote a list of people that he wanted Britney to date, and the list includes... It's the Jessica Simpsonizing yeah, this is, this of is, this is a crazy. This is a crazy but fascinating. The dad list. made a list of people yeah, her, yeah. his daughter on a that's bone? That's what Jessica Simpson's dad does. He approached like that guy who she's seeing now. Tony like, Romo. You should date my daughter. Yeah, well, here's... here's have you seen her? Have, look, I have these bikini photos. Yeah, no, okay. really, have you seen her breasts? They're amazing. Now, look at these. Oh, I got 8 yeah. by 10 Do you like they glossy? Are. Yeah, yeah, I do. I like Glossy. Uh, she's, uh, anyway, here's the list. This is interesting. Yeah, did you see, <laughs> who's, who see else is on the, there? Who's on the list? <laughs> okay, on the list, in addition to Benji, wow, this is crazy. Um, Gossip Girl star, you'll love this, Chance Crawford, Sarah. Oh, he's cute. Yeah. So I think very young. That's not all. Jesse Metcalf. Oh, he's kind of creepy. Who's Jesse Metcalf? I think he's like a young boy singer. I don't know. Yeah, I think he is too. Wait, Jesse Metcalf. I'm thinking no, maybe of, he's an actor. I'm thinking of Jesse McCartney. That's who I was thinking of. Who's the You Have a Beautiful yes. Soul guy yes. or whatever? No relation to uh, who's, Paul. Who's Jesse Metcalf? Does it say up. who he is? Uh, no, no. Somebody uh, out there knows. I'm sure we'll right. get a call on that. But here's here's one. There's oh, one he's more super, on the list. he's a super hot actor. Yeah, yeah. There's one more on this list, and it's. Uh, uh, Olympic medalist Michael Phelps. I hate that guy. That guy is such a douche. He's such a douche. Michael Phelps. I have and some... he's not attractive. No, f him. He's skinny. Um, so, but of all of those, why would you go? With, I mean, like, it's like for Benji Madden, the only one who returned the call. Maybe <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's like he's the only guy that got back. You know, it's like when you're trying. It's like when you're trying to book like an opening act, and Corey Feldman is the only one who returns the call. Yeah. Hey, Benji, if you're out there listening on the web. You drive. Don't let Britney drive. Seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Well, I guess, uh, you know, hey, it worked out well for that Jason Alexander guy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that the end of the Britney watch? Uh, that's the end of the Britney watch. Jesus. There's your Britney watch. That's creepy. I hope she stole him.
is your uh, Britney watch, ladies and gentlemen. We'll do uh, like one more here, and then we'll uh, take a break. Get caught up here on the Rick Emerson Show. Okay, this one's kind of a you know man bites dog kind of story. Man allegedly beats another man for urinating on his leg. Whoa! This guy woke up, and here's here's a here's a a guy actually urinating on his leg. So he jumped up and beat him up. The man's been arrested. No, but okay, you can't just give the story with no context. Where was he? Like you don't just wake up in your house. Or maybe you do, and there's a guy relieving himself. Well, it, apparently it was a street uh, incident, so you know that that is not inconceivable. There's no dateline. So oh, we're the, not sure the, exactly are these homeless guys? Yeah, a couple oh, of homeless guys. Ah, oh, okay. So this is like he wakes up and like, hey, I feel strangely warm, or uh, and then you know, and then he you know, and then he just gives the guy like, what for? Um, so I think we're probably gonna um, I think we're probably gonna do. Let's not do a watch here. Let's actually take a break. And we'll come back uh, after this. We're still to come. we got Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program, ladies and gentlemen. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Joining us in mere moments, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get some calls here in a second. More news with Jim Cummings, who is uh, standing in for uh, the vaca- vacationing. That was an unfortunate slip right there. He's What's a vacation of sorts? Sort of a... Vacation sort, from employment? Sort of an involuntary vacation. Taking a vacation from stability. Uh, but laid off Tim Riley. We're uh, filling in for him throughout the rest of the year. A series of other laid off Portland uh, media professionals. That continues next week and throughout the year, by the way. So uh, be listening for details on that. And as we do with kind of everybody who's sort of, you know, stepping in, uh, we are going to give out, you know, contact info uh, for Jim here as we get to the end of the hour. And we'll put it up on the website as well. It's 503 970. So calls, more news here in a moment. This is uh, Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How's everybody? I'm fine. Somebody told me you had three Bloody Marys. Uh, Yeah, I had a couple. (laughs) By a couple, do you mean three? Okay, three. Okay. Where did you have them? What caliber? Uh, A restaurant, a very delicious restaurant in Southeast called Pock Pock. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, Pock Pock. Yeah. Oh. Um, my wife is a big fan of that place. Oh. Is it the place on Division? Yeah, it's like 32nd Division. Okay. Please and tell me that you were stirring your Bloody Marys with a celery stick. I, I know, with a with a stick of basil. <laughs> okay, because you're, you're classy. That's right. No, it had, my friend it had some... muddled oh, herbs and aromatics, and, and, and the spice for it was a Thai pepper, and it was... Oh. My friend was telling me about a place with Bloody Marys that um, they have bacon straws. They'll make really? bacon and then roll them into a straw and... Yeah, and make the Bloody Marys. I like so what I'm hearing. Please, please tell me where this is. I, I can't remember. I know I should have. I should have known that before. No. I said it. So it was, you know, I, I, it was my it was a holiday lunch. I took my assistant out to lunch, and you know, and my my woman came with us, and you know, companies pay. Did you really just say my, my woman? woman? I think yes, you did. I have did. another Bloody Mary. Who are you, my woman? <laughs> my lady friend. And then she pleasured me. <laughs> wow. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Okay. That really, that really that really did sound that way. Actually, and then, and, right. then uh, and then Sarah Wagner brought me down some uh, special coffee, which I didn't know what the special coffee was. And dang, wow. thanks Sarah Wagner. Thanks Sarah Wagner. Yeah. I, th- I think right. Siegfried was responsible for that one. I, you know, it is like I said, out, outside these doors, it's a madhouse. It's weird out there. Normally, we stayed yeah. in here a lot more today. Yes. <laughs> I haven't idea. gone upstairs once, by the way. <laughs> I, you know, probably it's going to go up there. It's going to be trash fires and like, you know, and <laughs> seriously. I, normally, it's the opposite, though. I mean, normally, out there, it's a business. In here, it's a little crazy, right? Yeah. The studios are sort of pockets of insanity. Today, Sarah and I, are, you know, and, and Jim has been here, and we're all kind of clinging together like, don't go out there, you know, because you walk outside here, and it's just a nuttery, so... 
Jesus. <laughs> All right. Well, in any event. Um, so, but without delay, because these are both films I'm really interested in. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them sort of one, in a row, uh, one by one. Okay. First of all, uh, Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. Yes. First of all, Brian Singer's directing it. Yes. Tom Cruise, as I said, he's obviously nuts, but I keep rooting for the return of him as an actor. Because he too. can act when too. he wants to. And this is such a compelling story. It's a true story of the plot to kill Hitler. One of the many. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, unsuccessful. But I. So what is? So Spoilers. give me the. Give me the. Yeah, give me the. Uh, the review. Um, the review. Well, first of all, um, it's a very well done, suspenseful film. Uh, going in, I would assume most people know the the outcome of the film. Yeah. The the, 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 sure. the attempt fails, obviously. Um, and Tom Cruise plays a high ranking Nazi Nazi official, colonel in the Nazi army, uh, who is actually promoted to head up the Nazi reserves troops and there's a, there's a, there's a con- contingency plan in place that Hitler did called Operation Valkyrie so in, in case he was assassinated his his right hand man was assassinated this Operation Valkyrie plan would go into play uh, and Cruz came in with this plan to kind of rewrite Valkyrie but the the thing is Hitler's got to sign it um, and, and so and so he, and in order to do that, he kind of built this plot to assassinate Hitler. They would, with this new rewritten plan of Valkyrie, they would then take control of the Nazi Party back and make Germany what it once was. Because Tom Cruise's character uh, Stras- von Strassenberg says, "This is not my Germany. Right. This is not what I signed up for. This is not the way, it's, the way it should be. This is wrong." And he had a core group of people behind him who were high, you know, generals in in the, in the Nazi Party. Um, the film played out pretty good. It was suspenseful. They did a really good job. Some beautiful shots. Um, oddly enough, when when the Valkyrie plan goes into effect, there's a scene where these reserves are going into the SS headquarters, and there's a beautiful shot of 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 the plaza in front of the Third Reich, um, and just all these Nazi flags, and right. the stunning red behind this gray, dreary Berlin. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, but the film itself. There could have been a lot more behind it. I would have liked to know more about Strassenberg. I would like to know more about what his, other than just this is not my Germany, what his motivation was and how he got to the position he got in. Because he was a fairly young guy, probably in his 40s, and he's a colonel and has already given a promotion to be head of the, you know, the, the, the CEO of the Reserve Army, which was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, part of that had to do with the fact that early on in the film, he was pretty severely injured, and so, so he, was, he was disabled uh, and to a certain extent, which you don't really see in the trailer, so I'm not going to give anything away there, um, which kind of made Hitler proud of him because he was like, you know what, this is this is what this is the prime example of what a Nazi soldier should be. What his sacrifices for his right. country, which is a little ironic. Um, my main problem with the film, and I don't know why this, I'm okay with this, and not and, and I'm not okay with this, and okay with the Hunt for October. Nobody has a German accent. Somebody told me that they don't even. It's not even like a bad one. They just don't even try don't to have try. an accent. In the beginning of the film, it really throws me out because the film, the beginning of the film, opens with Tom Cruise narrating in German, in very good fluent German, with the accent and everything. Uh-huh. And they do that Hunt for October transition from Russian from German to English. Right. And then the, the accent's gone. It's like, well, wait a second. Right. And the English actors, Terrence Stamp, Kenneth Branagh, are also in this. They. Terrence Stamp and Kenneth Branagh, they're, you know, they're classically trained actors. you think they could pull off a German accent. Maybe Cruz couldn't do it, and they didn't want to highlight his inability by yeah, having maybe, the other guys do it. Maybe. Then it's like, you know, then like it's like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, or Kevin Costner, where it's like the guy yeah. in the film who can't do it. So. so that was really, really kind of tough to bear. And Singer kind of went for that Saving Private Ryan kind of washed-out color look. Right. It looked like he was trying a little too hard, so it kind of took away from some of the... A little too stylized. too stylized. I would have preferred it to go black and white, actually. I, right. think, I think it would have been a little more effective, kind of maybe play up like a... 
like an old newsreel or right, something right. to kind of make that happen. But the story behind the attempted assassination, the closest, I believe the closest one to actually getting some success um, and having having everything kind of go go crazy for a good 24-hour period, uh, it was decent. It wasn't great. Um, I might check out for a matinee. And then, so, and then from that historical film to Frost Nixon, yes. which was... Um, you know, it's obviously a real life story, and then it was a it was a play mm-hmm. with Frank Langella, who I think has resumed his his role. He's re- he revised, revised, reprised, reprised his role. Yes, as Richard Nixon. Yes. Uh, so this is the story about this television interview of Richard Nixon. Uh, that that I've actually never seen. I've never seen the original interview, but mm-hmm. I know that the film is just getting rave reviews. Like you, Rick, I'm a huge political film junkie. I, if it's got politics, true story, I am all over that. Even the fictional political films I love. Um, two of my all-time, my, my top two favorite political films are Nixon and All the President's Men. Love Nixon. Both surrounded with the Watergate scandal right. and all that stuff. Make that three, because Ross Nixon is probably one of the best political films I've ever seen. Not just a political film, but a film that look at the interview process. What goes on in an interview? What, what's the point of this interview? You've got essentially eight hours with Richard Nixon. What are you going to do with that? And this is right after Watergate. This This is is the first sort of in-depth TV interview with him after Watergate. Right. And and, and David Frost is essentially a talk show host from England who has some success in England, some success in Australia. Not quite. He hasn't quite crossed the pond. It's like a John Tesh kind of a... Kind of a... More like a... I I kind of describe it as a cross between Leno and Kimmel. Right. Type thing. You know, (laughs) he's, he's, he's adored. People like him. He's a funny guy. But who is this guy who's going to all of a sudden interview Richard Nixon? I mean, an iconic figure at right, that time. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and Frost's plan, reason for, behind that was like, you know, like some like 400 million people watched Nixon's resignation speech all over the world. This is something. We can make this happen. He ended up paying Nixon $600,000 to do this interview. Some serious terms, contracts were laid out. Here's what you can talk about. Here's what you can't talk about. Uh, but what I found really fascinating about this film was the whole process of the interview and what makes the interview so. Somebody intense. said, I mean, somebody said that, that this Frost Nixon that the movie it almost plays out like it almost plays out like a boxing film where the two camps are training, yep. preparing, and then the two men kind of go That's exactly into the ring right. in front of camera. And then they've got to, like, you know, and, and then Nixon's trying not to give anything away in the interview or incriminate himself. And right. Frost is basically trying to get him to say, come on, you're, you're dirty, you know. And, and, and that's, and, 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 and again, it's, it's, it's broken up into, they, I think that over a period of week, they had four days where they were two-hour sessions. And so they broke it up into four sessions, foreign affairs or foreign policy, um, the Vietnam War, Nixon the man, and, of course, Watergate. Uh, and so... Frost's team was like, look, you've got to control this interview. No matter what the subject is, right. you've got to not let him ramble on forever right, and ever right. and ever. You've got, to, you've got to control it. And Nixon, being Nixon, had this, this top-notch team of advisors who were saying, talk, just right. talk, just wait, talk, Just wait to run out the clock. Run that clock down. And the first three interviews he did, you know, and then Frost is realizing what, what he's done and how, what, what opportunity he has right. here. And he's right. got to get that for the last segment being all about Watergate. Just, a, just an amazing film. Uh, as much as Anthony Hopkins is Nixon and Nixon, Frank Langella from the get-go, he's got the mannerism, he's got the speech, he's got the 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 uh, uh, the walk, the the way he carries himself. But more importantly, the the pivotal part in the film. No spoilers here. You guys have seen the trailer. If you've seen the the interviews, you know what this is about. When Nixon says, when the president says so, it's legal. Yeah, if the president doesn't, it, it can't be it illegal can't or whatever. Illegal. Yeah, and, and then. Frost is like, excuse me, right. and then he, and then as as Nixon starts 
uh, gushing out with these emotions and, and this whole uh, mea culpa thing. Um, the expressions Frank Langella gives as Nixon is just it's unbelievable. This is a wonderful And these film. both open today? Uh, Valkyrie opens Christmas Day. Frost Nixon, I believe, opens today in Portland. Excellent. And uh, Frost Nixon is directed by Ron Howard. And Michael Sheen, who plays David Frost, also played Tony Blair in The Queen. Um, and just just easily next to Dark Knight and Wally, one of the best films of the year. Fantastic. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. Should we take a break here? Uh, I want to clarify something really quickly. Um, when Siegfried was here earlier talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night, I want to clarify the time. The movie is actually 9 p.m. this Sunday. Not 7 o'clock. It is 9 p.m. this Sunday at the Hollywood Theater. Take a break. Back after this, we'll do a final news wrap-up with Jim Cummings in for the late-off. Tim Riley, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll do a couple calls. Uh, <laughs> pardon me, as well on the other side. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Christmas in Las Vegas. Decorate your tree with chips. Let's roll a yo beneath the mistletoe while that angel strips. Rudolph sold the sled, now he's betting on red in a casino made out of gingerbread. Christmas in Las Vegas, it's a trip. It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. The wise man it's 503-733-2970. Here in a few minutes, we'll find out what's coming up on uh, this Sunday night's edition of Musicology. Seven to nine. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, uh, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, laid-off Portland media professional, Jim Cummings. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello, sir. This one will cause a little controversy. Some top retired military leaders and some Democrats in Congress are backing William White, Chief, Office, Chief Operating Officer of the Intrepid Museum Foundation to be the next Secretary of the Navy, a move that would put the first openly gay person at the top of one of the services. Woo. Yeah, here's openly the, gay. And by the way, here's what we're going to say. The only when you say this is how my mind works. When you said the USS Intrepid, here's why that matters to me at least right now is because of the USS Intrepid is where, in 1996, uh, KISS announced their reunion tour. They had this, like, the first I'm reunion just, tour? Yeah, the first re- the first of many. <laughs> uh, before the first of, of many farewell tours, uh, where they're, they're literally their press conference was on was on a, an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean, which was righteous. <laughs> Leave it to Jim Simmons. Right. Here's, uh, Here's Jim, Jim Cummings. Gene Simmons is awesome. Uh, snuff Watch, how about that? Ladies and gentlemen, here is your Snuff Watch for Friday. Here's your snuff watch with Jim Cummings. W. Mark Felt, the former second-in-command, who uh, revealed t- two years ago that he was actually deep throat. Oh, this was, yeah, the yeah, FBI guy. Two years ago, has died uh, at 95 years old. Did you, did you see any of the, the footage of him yeah. after this came out? He was ecstatic. I, I loved his attitude about it. He was very fun, and he said, hey, you know, geez, what, uh, I'm 92 now, so why not you know, come out and tell this? There why not? The, yeah. yeah, there was kind of a screw it, you know, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, and it's just it's just weird, man. You go back and you watch, because I mean, I've seen you know, like you, I've seen all the presidents, man, like a billion times, yeah. like we all have, and it's just you know such a huge pivotal figure, and you see Hal Holbrook, you know, like the glowering figure with you know with, in the garage with the cigarette and putting the potted plant with the flag in it or whatever, and you mm-hmm. and you know you're aware that he's sort of like a real person who was sort of cloaked in mystery, but you do kind of 
but that's an intellectual knowledge. You kind of forget that there is actually like a real guy who would get up and like put on his pants and have breakfast and go to. Oh, and also he was deep throat. And know? when he came out and said he was deep throat, I was a little. I was like, oh man, there goes the mystery. It was like a DB Cooper. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Totally. So, uh, so he died at ninety five, and yeah. it was. You and gotta great. wonder if Woodward and Bernstein were a little bit annoyed when it, the story broke, though, because their whole thing was that they would not reveal it until the guy was dead. Exactly. So they must be sitting there going like, ah, another year and a half. Yeah, Damn it. could have done it. Could have done yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, is it a single or a double snuff watch? I think it's single. Single, single snuff All watch, right. but I've got an Iraqi shoe-throwing story here that I think... Well, let's do this. Let's close the snuff watch. Once again, Jim Cummings in particular. Okay, okay. The Iraqi television journalist who threw his shoes at President Bush last Sunday is going to ask the Iraqi prime minister for a pardon on the event. You know, my my thought is this. If they give him some sort of a fine, uh, if the 19% of the people who approve of Bush, uh, you know, the other, what, 81%, if they all just send him a buck, 81% 81% of the American public, that's about $240 million we'll send to this guy. That should bail him out. Really, that whatever the yeah. fine is, even if it's of a substantial nature, I would say it's it's covered. Yeah, yeah you, you know, know raise that. You know, Bush said, yeah, I, I saw the shoe go by. It was a size 10. If it had been a size 11 and a half, it would have hit him. <laughs> I wish that would have happened. Okay, how about a clergy watch? You keep going back to this, I wish that something would hit the president in the face business. <laughs> I can't tell you how much... Hold on, let's, let's just back up for a second. First of all, uh, do we have time to do this? Because we, we have Kristen Bowie wait, coming. actually. Yeah. Okay, we won't be able to do this. I was just but saying, it's a good one. So for the record, the Rick Emerson show does not advocate anything hitting the president in the face, except for kisses from a grateful public. Uh, and happy thoughts. So let's do this. Kristen Bowie, you hear my voice. You want to enter the studio? Jim Cummings, we should take this opportunity. Uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, and so we appreciate you coming in today. It was fantastic. I know that uh, we just we're coming up on the end of the show, so I want to make sure that we kind of get this taken care of. You can be reached. Uh, probably the best way we'll give out your email address here. It is uh, Jim Cummings, J I M C U M M I N G S at Gmail seven six. Jim Cummings seven six. Oh, doesn't say that. All right, yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, Jim Cummings seven six at Gmail dot com, and we will put that up on the website today as well. You know, Rick, I, I wanted to thank you and Sarah. Uh, Richie, and I also want to thank you for the opportunity to pay tribute to Tim Riley, uh, the radio business, and it gave me an opportunity to dust off my third phone. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we uh, we're glad you we're glad you came in, and we, it really does. Yes, uh, thank you so much. It really, thank you so yeah, much. it really is. Um, it really is. It really is quite quite something, as we've said, sort of both good and a little melancholy. Kind of the folks, the talented folks that are out there that are available to come in and do this. So thank you so much, Jim Cummings. All right, well done. Take a bow, sir. It's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Kristen Bowie, uh, who, along with Adam Thompson, hosts Musicology Sunday night, 7 to 9. How are you? I'm doing well. How's it going in here? Cradling a dog under your arm. Sorry, he was waiting outside the door, jumping up and down. What kind of dog down. is that? He's a Japanese chin. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he has, he kind of looks like kind of a Star Trek creature. He I mean, looks like it, a mogwai. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> it. I can't do the, I used to be able to do the mogwai voice uh, when I was. Uh, do it. We saw Gremlins do, the other day, and it was. Surreal. I was sitting there going, that's my dog. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. All right. Uh, what is coming up on this Sunday night's installment of Musicology? We're doing kind of a surprise Christmas show. Adam talked me into So Adam's a Jewish fellow, and he talked me into doing a humorous take on a Christmas mass. So I'm giving yeah, him his doesn't chance. doesn't sound like that could at all go wrong. No, not all at all. Right. Not at all, right? So I'm going to inflict some, um, in turn, I'm going to inflict some Christmas music from Romania on him. 
And okay. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting, an interesting show. What does Christmas from Romania actually sound like? Um, if you're a music fan, you'll understand what happy hardcore is, and it's yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. That's it's interesting. To find out, it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's going to be the company under which I produce porn films when I leave radio. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, we want to give a shout out to Frank, who is at Saturday Market right now, apparently playing the Rick Emerson show uh, loudly uh, for, at his place of business. So thanks, Frank. Hello to Frank at Saturday Market. Uh, how well, long we got here? Like thirty? Yeah. All right. Real quickly. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Speak quickly. Last call of the week. Scott Daly. You there still? Yes, sir. Hey, love the Devil's Advocate uh, fan commentary. It was <laughs> awesome. Thank you, man. Watched last night. Thought of uh, making a suggestion to you. The movie Ravenous. Oh, yeah. No ravenous with the guy from the thing. He ate my he ate my leg. Oh, God. This kind of weather is perfect for that. That's how Thank you, sir. Thanks and we're done. All right. Filmfeverradio.com. Yes, new show is up now. We've got a review of Valkyrie. And uh, uh, it's just all kinds of fun nonsense Stuff. and Nazi talk. So it's good times. Filmfeverradio.com. New wow. show is up now. Well, that was a weird way to end that uh, that promotional uh, segment. Well done. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 97 The Talker. In the newsroom, Jim Cummings today on the phone. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress Bridget from, upsta- uh, Bridget from upstairs, and, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donut with me, Reynolds. We want to thank again uh, Jim Cummings as well as uh, uh, Ed McCarthy, Jim Rube, Steve Castamon, and Lisa Desjardins. Miles around tomorrow, 9 to 11, Musicology, Sunday, 7 to 9, and Silent Night, Deadly Night, 9 o'clock, the Hollywood Theater this coming Sunday. As always, thanks for listening. Be safe. Like us next. See you tomorrow. Bye now. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.